connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter, at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. Hello, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast. Every week, we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com. Hey, this is Andre Gower from The Monster Squad, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of 2018's Denver Comic Con and beyond. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> hey, can you uh, rewind that? <laughs> Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me always is James and Henry and Brad and Zach. I like how I totally went out of order. You guys keeping you on your toes. Yeah, I hate it. Good. It's, it's, it's specifically designed to make me go last. <laughs> oh, you're always last. I'm it's on just... to your game. <laughs> you're clearly the char- the, uh, the, the D of this group. We'll see. Yeah. It's always a we'll see. Let me, let me see. Because I love... Uh, so we were just talking about Tim Burton's Dumbo. I don't know why, yeah. that and makes they, me feel they show uneasy. Me the, uh, Henry just showed me the model of it. And yeah. I like Dumbo. It's one of the cutest movies ever. <laughs> uh, every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world, except this week because we have a room full of the JJs who wouldn't go see Annabelle Creation. I'm not one of them. I would have gone. I know. <laughs> I'll go. Sounds I just like don't Annabelle's doing just fine without us. Yeah. Well, maybe I want to add it, wanted to add $12 to its total. Go okay. right ahead. Twelve, more like fifty. James Wan <laughs> needs money, guys. Well, no, one percent goes to the movie theater. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so this week we're going back in time to a time when only me and Brad were born. Hey, hey, <laughs> no, I oh, literally right. was born this year uh, to oh. a film explosion. 1987. So y'all's number one had better be James. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think you're your mom's number one. Hey, whoa! whoa! Oh! <laughs> well, because no, no, because your brother was born on the same day, so he's yeah, technically but eight their years first earlier. Kid. Yeah, so it's technically the first kid. So you're always number two. Went. Oh, I'm a, I'm a sequel. <laughs> you are. Yeah, you're Jaws the Revenge. Right. Which did come out in 1987. Is what? it on anybody's list? Who knows? I don't know. No, it's not on anyone's oh, list. Maybe oh, it's my okay. number ten. Who knows? <laughs> maybe it's my number three. Yeah, you don't know. Maybe I mean, somebody's I'm number four. It, it's my number one. Oh, 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 oh. Remember when it roars out of the water? It's so bad. <laughs> it looks good on Blu-ray. Like, like, because you know, I mean, shot in a tropical area. I mean, Pearl Harbor probably Why looks good on Blu-ray. But... So, 
they released the sequels to Jaws on Blu-ray all at once last oh, year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were all $7. So I had to get the complete collection. Well, yeah. had to is a strong word. Um, and I watched Jaws 3D on a 3D TV. Well, that's fine. And it didn't look that good. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws 3D is okay. And by okay, no, I mean not. not worth watching I actually watching think it's ever. the most boring one. Really? Yeah. I'm just waiting because for Because the, the revenge is so batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. That it's one of those movies where you go, oh, this is entertaining because it's so fucking stupid. Yeah. Like when the shark comes out of the water and they jam the, the boat's like Which mass into it. Not the original ending of that movie. No, it's not. Yeah. But I don't think they'll better. ever release a special edition of that because Universal's like, eh, we never want to put that out. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Tron classic of, of well, Universal. You know, uh, Scream Factory does is like leasing Universal Pictures right now. Yeah. So maybe Jaws of Revenge will pop up. <sighs> And, and I would laugh. Didn't it have, uh, what's his, uh, Melvin Van Peebles? Mario. Mario or Mar- Van Peebles? Mario. No, because Melvin's his father. Yeah, yes. Mario Van Peebles has a really bad Jamaican accent in it. Ah, okay. And it had Michael Caine. He's like, he's like, Misa see a, ja- a Jaws. That's, 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 that's the. That's yeah, that's what he did. He's like, there's a shark down there, mister. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds a little like Adam Sandler doing it. <laughs> no. Mr. Mr. Get me out of here. <laughs> so uh, if you've never. In... Hi, Kellen. Kellen, what's your favorite film in 1987? Um, so for the record, this is the worst episode we've ever recorded because in the background, you'll be able to hear just a little bit of Secret Life of Pets going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've never been a part of our film explosions, we count down our 10 favorite films of said year. Uh, we'll play the trailer if it hasn't been previously Stay revealed, there. and uh, we'll just go from 10 to 1 and go from there. But uh, before we do, Brad, congratulations another 48-hour film. Yeah, done. thank you. Um, the trailer looks awesome. The trailer is um, a record. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe put some story into it. What the fuck? It's supposed to be It looks exactly like uh, the other guys' trailers that they've put out. Uh, I was there first, so they, they copied me, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there's a sock footage, so they just bought it and made it yeah no yours is beautiful what, what what's what's it about um why don't a, you just tell us your genre then if you're gonna be cagey about it yes yeah, it's, it's detective it's five it's six minutes long so you can't really say much about six minute film without giving the entire yeah. thing away so um, uh, you can't tell me a character and what it's about but the record thing like th- that was the prop this year so that's why all the trailers have vinyl records and you can't really do anything like other than vinyl record for vinyl record so like it, there's gonna be a lot of similar films this year, and there's 52 of them. Wow. And I'll be watching wow. all of them. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, ours is, there's a detect, there's a mystery surrounding this album, and you have to sit and watch and figure out what's going on. Seems like uh, it, the, the whole design of the poster felt like Wes Anderson. Yep. Which, I'm not going to lie, I'm really glad that you got to do something like but yeah, that. But, yeah, yours yours looks good. Thank you. Yeah. And anytime you can fit in Cardigan to something, it's it works. Yeah. The... Um, the style of the movie, like when you watch it, it's not Wes Anderson, but like the component, the secret component is very Wes Anderson y, and you'll nice. find out why when you watch it. Oh, nice. Right. I can't wait for Sunday. Yeah, hopefully it's better than Thunderbolt 2. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> that was yeah. the one that I worked on, so that's two of us you're insulting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we drew a detective cop and martial arts as our genres to choose from, and we were like, we just threw our hands up in the air, like, this would be the perfect year to do Thunderbolt 3, but we we're just like <laughs> so exhausted from last year that we we're like, no, we'll, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get it. Again. Get the creative we'll pieces going. You know, when mu- when new. musical comes up, you guys can do Thunderbolt three. Exactly, mm-hmm. do it as a musical. Yeah. yeah, and then oh, dude, the villains, a dude who has a a keytar. <laughs> well, I want it to be like like squid villains, like mm-hmm. they have like Davy Jones head type things, but it's yeah. purple. 
and they have just like aquatic suits. But yeah, they could play guitar too. That'd be oh, awesome. Oh man, they shoot bolts of thunder <laughs> and play Iran. What's the opposite of thunder? Lightning. lightning. Well, they go hand in hand. <laughs> Not like, really. What's yeah. The uh, I don't know. Sunny days. Sun. So they shoot UV. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they shoot. They shoot happiness and rainbows. Rainbows, yeah, rainbows. rainbows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A guitar shooting. Rainbow shooting guitar. Copyright Real Nerds Podcast. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Wow, we got a good start on that one. All right, we'll yep. be ready for there this. I, I don't need story credit, Brad. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, next uh, it's uh, this Sunday. Uh, actually, I don't even know this stuff. It's going to get up by then. But if it does, Sunday, August thirteenth, eight thirty p.m. at the Sea Film Center. Come on down. I think it's like ten bucks. So, how do you feel about this one? It's not as weird as our usual stuff. Like yeah. It, uh, so it's more mainstream? <laughs> it's a little more mainstream. Uh, Sold out, man. <laughs> I would. The uh, cinematography is better because I got to put the Ronin and, and the, the drone and um, the new camera. So it looks pretty sharp. Um, obviously, the audio is good because Mike's still doing it. Um, but it, it's, it's such an odd story. I don't know. It's, it's odd, but it's not, you know. Mm. You it's going to be there's, great. There's no giant cast. There's no... Um, Nazi Hitler brains. How will anyone enjoy it without the giant cats and the Hitler brains? Yeah. So we'll see. I'm sure it's great. It's a very cerebral humor type movie. Cool. So cool. looking forward to it. Good job, Brad. Yep. And yeah. yeah, after Sunday, I'll put and it on you, the website. And you didn't die, which is the important part of 48 Hour Film Festival. Yeah, I, started, I got some <laughs> sleep. I got food poisoning though. So that sucked. It's pretty close. Oh. That's pretty close to dead. We we finished like technically. I think we got our packet in at like 6:49, so the deadline 7:30. But, you know, probably could have gotten extra two hours earlier if I hadn't been, like, going to the bathroom constantly. Well, the most important thing yeah. is is getting it in. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Everybody ready? I'm ready. ready to do this? Let's yeah. do we're it. Are we going to jump into the portal hot tub and, and go back? What's a good 1987, like, portal? There's a uh, theme song by Ennio Morricone. Uh, we could all the get Running Man. Tubes we, <laughs> we could all get like shrunk down to a microscopic size and put into a bullet and then shot back in time. All right, let's do it. Hop in, guys. Well, we're there. <laughs> oh. oh my god, oh. I almost barfed. That, just, was, that uh, was such an adventure. Just for you, Zach. You can go first. Oh, okay. Aww. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, James, what'd you... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't Make let... up your mind. <laughs> yeah. um, that's seriously, you want me to go first? Yes. Okay, yes. Because cool. um, then we guarantee you're not going to have the last word. All right, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so my number 10 is um, it's a horror film, and uh, it's definitely uh, my favorite in the series of these horror films. Oh, no. My number fil- 10 film is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors...
Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Freddy's just around the corner. I was really afraid Zach was about to be fucking murdered. <laughs> no, I was so, like, I also have an hour of I thought he might be sweeping too, and so. I can tell you right now that what you guys might have thought of at the time is not on my list. Whoa, so, wow, all right. Well, that, it, you but put it that came, over that one? It wow. came very close. No, um, I, I've always been a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, and this one is my favorite of the sequels. Um, okay, other... maybe we should put a break in here so we can put a trailer in. Oh, oh I thought we did. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's long. It enough. was, yeah, it was short, but you got it. it Brad? Next yeah. one is longer. Okay, Brad got it in, so we're good. Okay, um, so like I said, I'm a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and this is my favorite of the sequels, not including New Nightmare, because I consider that more of like a as like, my favorite killing it. This is the one with the puppet one, right? Yeah, this is the one with the puppet one. This is the one with um, your break, big break in TV. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Um, you've got um, the naked lady, um, uh, the naked so nurse, iconic. the nurse getting naked and uh, right. slipping the kid some tongue, the kid who can't talk. Um, you have the great kill of let's get high and needles get stuck into this girl's arms and uh, Freddy goes, what a rush. <laughs> uh, it's got some of the best, uh, some of the best Freddy puns. Because after that, they become really stupid. <laughs> well, the response to this movie is because Wes Craven didn't like Freddy's revenge. Yeah, so he was like... And apparently the original script that he wrote was way darker and way more twisted. Um, but then they brought in Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell, who Chuck Russell ended up directing it, to reshape the script and make it a little less dark like with while still maintaining all the kills and whatnot in it. And it ends up being a really entertaining film. Like, it's very entertaining. Um, and... Uh, I like that Langan Camp and John Saxon return, um, and of course it's got Dawkins' Dream Warrior song at the very end. Like, how can you not like that song? It's it's fucking amazing. So, I think the best Nightmare sequel is Fre- uh, a New Nightmare, but I know a lot of people have problems with that one. But I think it's the most creative. I like New Nightmare. I just don't count it in the original run. So, like, that's why it's not like it's to me. It's kind of like a it's it's not necessarily a sequel so much as its own. Beast, yeah, to I agree. A degree because it's not like like it's because it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so. but anyway, so yeah, that's my number ten. A Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors. Brad, your number ten. Oh, this is gonna be really hard to keep track of. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I'm a pro, James. This is my like 300th episode. I got it. Listeners at home don't understand that he didn't just go around the table in a circle across the table. But oh my goodness, through a bouncy We'll see how that works wall. three hours from now. Right. <laughs> All right, my number ten is. Empire of the Sun.
I feel like I just stole someone's number one. <laughs> Top five. <laughs> uh, then you'll be particularly annoyed to know that I haven't watched it a whole lot either. But it's <laughs> but it's great. Well, I'm glad it made someone else's ten. <laughs> it's, it's funny because before you got here, we were talking about it, and I and I said like, yeah, I haven't seen the movie in like ten years, and I remember being really bored by it. And and he just like looked at me and was like. We're gonna fight. <laughs> it's it's a it's a slow movie, but it's just it's such a like a like a heartbreaking yeah. good times watch, uh, um, like really dramatic. Uh, I think it's like a really good middle ground between his really dark stuff and his more child friendly stuff. Yeah, because like the, the central character is Christian Bale, like, and he's still a kid at this point, like thirteen when they made it. Um, like that, yeah. But it, he's an orphan in this movie, and he's. You know, you're not watching just battle in World War II. You're watching like yeah. civilian life in World War II yeah, yeah. in the in the Pacific Theater. So, um, it, yeah, it's it's really like. Does he have an off button? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he he's tired? choosing to only talk to me as well. <laughs> you have an iPad, right? Like it's, it's got Secret Life of Pets on it. Maybe he's learning. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean. I really like this. I consider it his most overlooked film. Yeah, because like it's one that like you've all, I've always heard of, but like you never hear anyone talk about it. Yeah, like it's one of those films, this so one films that like everyone knows is good. Yeah, but no one ever is like, yeah, Empire of the Sun. Helen, that's enough. <laughs> and it... yeah, there's a uh-huh. snake. We got it. Okay. <laughs> At one point, he came I really over, hope was, like, this not... is a table, and it had forced me to tell him this is also a table <laughs> but yeah Empire uh, of the Sun I really like the film it might yeah. come up later on my list so. I'll let you talk about it more then but uh, I don't have much to say about it than like you know it's, it's really good and I'm trying to remember I haven't watched Christian, it a lot but huh I'm trying to remember does Christian Bale at any point in that movie say no no <laughs> Uh, I don't remember. Is, Probably at some point. So there might be a pattern here because when we talk about most overlooked Chris, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg movies, um, Empire of the Sun, mm-hmm. Planes, Always. Always Planes, Terminal, Planes. Just saying. Not a good track. He shouldn't make planes. movies about planes. 1941, Planes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, not the worst movie he's ever made. Sugarland Express, Cars. Maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe that's why he's really struggling to make that Band of Brothers about the Air Force. Yes. That's probably why. That's what it is. So. He just doesn't understand planes. <laughs> actually, actually, he's probably made it, and we all forgot. <laughs> oh, man. Steven Spielberg, Spielberg might die on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone leave, like, a bump of Coke over there? Or <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> there might be. There might be. Oh, oh that's not Coke. Loudest right? uh, Did you know your yeah. kid is speedballing? We're two movies in. Oh. There you go. The secret to quieting a child yes. is an orange car. I could just go get my box of Legos and dump them on the floor. Oh, he'd probably... Yeah, he would... He he don't, he don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The box of Legos is the stuff I don't display, so I don't care about it. All right. Who's going next? Henry. Okay. Uh, so, the 80s is the decade that I've seen the least films in. So, my film's going to be the... This is probably my least pretentious list, uh, which is good. Uh, my number 10 film is uh, from a time when we didn't realize that prostitution is a bad idea for romantic comedies. Has uh, it ever been a bad idea? Uh, well, there are multiple films about it, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, my number 10 film is Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love! Cindy Mancini and Ronald Miller live on the same street, but they're in totally different worlds. Wouldn't you like to be popular? 
Cindy's hot. Ronald's not. But he's got a plan that could change all that. I want to rent you. Rent me? Yeah. You pretend you like me. And we go out for just a few weeks. Just going out with me is not going to make you popular. Well, I have a thousand dollars. It says it will. Now, the biggest social transformation in history. No hand-holding, kissing, and I get my lunch hour off. Is about to begin. Okay, Donald. We're ready. Listen to you one last thing. Yeah. My name is Ronald, not Donald. I think that's Ronald Keller. Didn't you like to mow our lawn? Ronald's over in no man's land, and he's still alive. He's going from totally geek. Totally chic. Let's dance! To totally out of control. I have moves. All I ever did was think about you. Say yourself. Don't change. Me change? Never. It's the comedy that proves a thousand dollars can buy popularity, but it can't buy me love. He's such a such a heartbreaker. Yeah, can't buy me love. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh. I looked. I actually looked up. I've seen a total of maybe fifteen films in this year. So, like my top, my bottom five aren't going to be like the. Well, best, this is ten for, years before you were born. So. Yeah. So. But yeah, can't buy my love. I think it's fun. It's uh one of those eighties. Uh, Patrick Dempsey is the main guy in it. Okay, and uh, that girl from Denver who passed away recently. Can't remember her name. She's like the lead. I don't know actress. like the cast at all besides Patrick Dempsey. Okay, for I, my mom forced me to watch it when I was seventeen. And I liked it then. <laughs> so, uh, can't buy my love is about this really uh, nerdy kid in high school who uh, he notices the super popular girl in high school. Like she, I think it's like her car breaks down and she she can't afford to fix it. So he's like, I'll pay to fix your car. But for a month, you have to pretend you're my girlfriend. And that's his way to get into like the popular crowd. But wait a minute. You can't buy love. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and then romantic hijinks ensues. And so, Does she end up falling in love with him? <laughs> I don't know, Brad. Well, you're, you're Ryan. I don't know, Ryan. Uh, but and yeah. You, and you like it personally because... I mean, it just most of it like... It's one of those films that, like, it's the 80s, like, high school film that, like, you don't hear about a lot. Yeah. And so it's, like, it hasn't been tainted by being oversaturated for me, which happens to a lot of 80s films. And so I like it just because it's just, it's a fun, more fun one. And I don't know, something about the whole prostitution angle, that and Pretty Woman. I don't know what it is, but I like those films. So. Hey, I like Risky Business. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, I ran to go give the kids some Legos. What was your number 10? Uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, great. That's a good one. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't really have much more else to say about this film, so... <laughs> Can't buy me love. No. Is it me? Yeah, James. Okay, you're looking at me. 10. Okay, uh, mine's also going to be kind of a weird, speaking of Pretty Woman, Gary Marshall-esque pick. Because uh, my number 10 is Overboard. Caviar should be round and hard, and it should burst in your mouth at precisely the right moment. For Mrs. Grant Staten III, life was a cruise. Andrew! Until the night, she went for a swim. Stop, you idiot! Oh, my hair! Joanna! Her mother is in shock. Only one for breakfast! Her husband is in mourning. I love Ellie! Seems a mystery woman was picked up by the Elk Cove garbage count. 
and a local handyman in a lot of trouble. Your children are totally lacking in parental supervision. Hey, you don't have to tell me these kids are lucky. Has just found a way out. She seems to be suffering from amnesia. Of course I know my name. It's... Yeah, that's my little cookie cutter. This missing link person is not my husband. Well, he seems to like you, and he's a nice guy. Come to daddy. Gee, Mom, we're so glad you're back. Hi, Mom. What is it I normally do? Ah. I prepared and handled raw food. Ah. Ah. I was short and fat. You walked kind of hunched over, you know? Ah. We did it on the first date. Couldn't call it a date, really. We just did it right there in the parking lot on 7-Eleven. And the short, fat sleeves. Is this Joanna Staten? Are you going to bring me my lemon or do I have to squeeze it from my hat? Is this Joanna Staten? <gasps> Goldie Hawn. I'm Joanna Staten. Baby doll, what's for dinner? Kurt Russell. Why? No boom boom. Sugar lips. Yeah. <laughs> Overboard. Thank you for making me a wife and a mother. Why did you do that? That's a fun movie. Kurt yeah. Russell, man. Yeah. Uh, and that woman that was his wife. <laughs> yeah. Overboard was like one of my mom's favorite movies when I was younger. So it was on all the time. Um, and I always really enjoyed it. Like, you know it what Overboard really is sweet important movie. for me? Why? Giving me a boner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Remember, she's God. wearing the like thong. <laughs> yeah, she looked great. No, Goldie Hawn's. Uh, that's overboard. Is why, like, when we talked last week about um, what was that? What was that Snatched. movie? Snatched. Where I was like, oh man, like Goldie Hawn's in a movie. It's because I really love Overboard. Yeah, you know? I, I just recently watched Death Becomes Her, and she's great in that too. Yeah, she's yeah. like one of those ladies who kind of just works when she wants. Yeah. No, it's it's exciting. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. It's it's kind of weird to think back to because when you realize like what the story of that movie is, you're like, it's kind of rapey and terrible. But it's not trying to be. It's not it's rapey. She consents. And, yeah, she just doesn't remember who she is. So, you know. Um, For those of you not listening, I don't know what we're talking about at oh, home. Oh, yeah. Goldie Hawn plays this like rich snobby lady and Kurt Russell's like fixing her boat. Yeah. And she bumps her head and forgets everything. And Kurt Russell is like... Uh, he will, hey, he, come help! Come live with me and my kids. Yeah, he 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 basically steals her to raise his children, and then over like a month or whatever, she falls in love with him, and then remembers who she is when her husband shows back up in a nice car, and then she's like, "Wait a second, I really did love him, and I used to be a terrible, horrible person." But she's and not then, anymore. Yeah, now now she got she's water learned. dumped on her. Yeah, because now she's <laughs> now she remembers like. Oh, now, now she knows like what it's like to work. Movie. You know, the more you're describing it, the more you're just belittling it. <laughs> no, it's no, true. no, it's true. No, I actually do like that movie. I haven't seen it in forever, but it's yeah. the same thing. I I swore it used to be on TNT all the time or something. And, oh yeah, and my totally. mom used to have it on all the yeah, time. It was on TV all the time. My mom has this huge crush on Kurt Russell. It, yeah, it, I love the movie a lot, and I mean, but I heard they were going to remake it at one point with Anna Faris, but they were going to reverse the roles. And I was oh. like, oh. Okay. I don't know. Maybe the I'd be okay with that. Yeah, mm. I think there's. St- I think they just announced. I think it was recently they announced they're going to actually remake it. Huh. Yeah, so. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Just make new jokes. Maybe that's the one I heard. Um, yeah. Cool, Brian. What's your number ten? Uh, Zach, please tell me you had dinner. I did. Okay, because yeah. your your snacks there are a little weird. Yeah. Uh, peanut butter M and M's uh, and 
salad onion toppers. But, you know, all right. I used to love the ones that used to put on the green bean casserole that were... These are pretty much those, except they've got garlic pepper on them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my number 10 is also a horror film. Uh, it is my favorite from this horror um, series. O- Overboard is not a horror film, sir. No, of course not. <laughs> um, it's my favorite from this series because uh, not so much for the story, but for the imagery that it that is throughout the film. Uh, my number 10 is Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Oh, God damn it! I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. this higher on your it's, list it's, it's also in the top five fuck <laughs> oh poor henry poor henry maybe you should pick better movies and then you know you'd have better movies higher yeah didn't you see any of the great films from 1987 you know, there, was, there was a when i was making this list i specifically said you know i'm not gonna put this film because it would be number seven and i know it's gonna be higher on everyone else's list so i'm not including it in my list i don't but. do that i don't give a shit yeah. no i know that now my move my <laughs> movies end up where i like them i don't care about anybody else hey and don't worry i'll be ready for the end of year when spider-man's on everybody's list but it won't be their favorite okay <laughs> no, <I know. laughs> it's number 10 now <laughs> that's fine as long as it's on everybody's list, it technically makes it the Henry's, best movie of the year. Henry's going to make it like his bottom five films so that he talks about it five times before we... <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, no, Hellraiser is really uh, fascinating. Like The acting isn't very good in it, but I think the story is pretty unique, and I think the, the character designs and the imagery is really well done. I think that's why it's resonated so long uh, with a lot of people. Uh, I mean, even Pinhead in it isn't even named Pinhead. No, yeah, he's never he's, named it. I don't think. Yeah, and he's, he's not just even one the, of the most, Cenobites. Yeah, he's not even one of the. I think he's Master Cenobite or something. Yeah. I mean, it's like, he just overall is known as like the, like this demon that's exactly. His house, so. uh, if you've never seen Hellraiser, it's this puzzle box with demons inside of it, and um, this one dude died trying to open it, yep. and then his family moves into the house, and he's in the attic. Like the the gore effects that are pretty amazing. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's like Hellraiser's my favorite gore franchise, uh, and this is my favorite. Of the series, obviously, because, I mean, besides the first two, you really don't need to see the rest. Um, but, like, uh, I mean, I love it. And so it's one of those that, like, I would show it to people at college, like, at, like, parties. and be like, who wants to watch a scary horror film that you're all going to be scarred from? <laughs> and then we would. And I would be like, let's never invite Henry to our parties again. No, so. You know, actually, I think the creepiest, I mean, uh, uh, Pinhead's cool because he kind of yeah. has the voice. Yeah. But I think the creepiest Cenobite is the one with the chattering teeth. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just... <laughs> It's one of those that, like, the entire film is relying on the creature effects. Yeah. And there's so many weird and, like, disturbing things in the film. Yeah, because the rest of it is 
Yeah, I mean... Like, the acting's garbage. It's acting garbage, and, like, the story is basically that, like, a woman cheated... Like, the wife cheated on her husband. I think that's what it was. Or she... Yeah. And how that's coming to haunt her now. Yeah, it's... And, and the story, like, it's better than, like, most horror films you get, but it's still not great. No. Like... Uh, yeah, to like Clive Barker, you have to, like, surreal things. No, yeah, which is right Good. up my alley, which makes it... Yeah. Why it shows up later on my list, and so... Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Effects are awesome. Yeah. Like, the dude where he's, like, all muscles really cool. Yeah. Fun yeah. film. Yeah. Um, that's my number 10. Awesome. Zach, number right. 9. So my number 9 is another horror film uh, from the Master of Horror. Um, it is John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Anyone in close proximity has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? So, it's not my favorite in the Apocalypse Trilogy, um, but I really appreciate all... Th no, you don't. Go play with what's over there. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's not my favorite of the Apocalypse films, uh, which are The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. Um, what I appreciate it is, like, so it's, it's this weird time when John Carpenter is, like, studying the, the connections between science and religion... And he's doing it in a, like, in this particular one, it's more done with a mathematician's mind, which is very interesting, because, like, I mean, part of it, I have no idea what's going on to a degree, but um, basically, it's um, it's about opening the gateway to hell um, via via scientific research. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when these students from a college, uh, along with their professor, are hired by uh, a, a priest played by Donald Pleasance to examine this gateway to hell that's entered into this church and um it's starting to possess people surrounding the church and one of them is a homeless guy played by alice cooper um and they slowly start invading the house it's actually pretty scary in certain parts it's more or less just fascinating to me how the story plays out it like i said it's not the best john carpenter movie which is why it's this low on the list um i actually think in the mouth of madness is way better in terms of story than uh Prince of Darkness, but I do like that Prince of Darkness takes the chances it does in horror, 
Um, and like I love Donald Pleasance. It's been very firmly established on this show that I love him in pretty much everything he's ever done. So except for the Ghost of Mars. <laughs> so uh, well, no, I was saying Donald Pleasance. Oh, John, Donald Pleasance, John, sorry. John Carpenter, I'm a huge fan of, but I will admit Ghost of Mars is a is a dumpster fire. I was gonna say, did Donald Pleasance play the ghost? <laughs> I might watch that movie. Again. I'm a ghost of Mars. <laughs> the gates of hell have been opened. <laughs> And the like, Screen Factory's uh, collector's edition is good. Yeah. Because it has Alice Cooper, obviously Carpenter's on it, and the making of is really good on that. Yeah. So I would check it out if you're interested in a lesser-known John Carpenter flick. Cool. Yeah. Brad? See, I can keep it together. I think about it. We're only on number nine. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for like 20 minutes, dude. Yep. Uh, my number nine is Adventures in Babysitting. Meet Chris Parker, getting ready for the greatest night of her life. Hi. I gotta cancel. Now she's stuck babysitting the Anderson kids. Sarah. Mom got Chris to babysit for me. Chris? Her brother Brad. Oh my. His best friend Daryl. Who's this kid? Stray dog. Take good care of my baby. I'll guard her with my life. What could possibly go wrong? Chris, I'm in trouble. Hang up and sit down. I'll be there in half an hour. This is the night when things go from bad to worse. Big city, scum sucker. Too ridiculous. Wanna go to bed? Hey, I like that. You should try babysitting. And this is only the beginning. The friend is dead. Chris can handle it. Sarah's probably hanging from the rafters by now. Sarah, hold on! I'm still in control here. <laughs> you could say they were having a bad night. Any problems? No, not really. If they weren't having such a good time. Adventures in Babysitting. Would your parents will ever ask me to babysit again? If they do, I'd ask them for a buck more an hour. Which you was son lot... of a bitch. It <laughs> <laughs> was a lot more fun as a kid. Oh, uh, yeah, not as great nowadays, but it, it's still kind of It's on okay. my list at uh, number seven, I think. It's just because when I was a kid, I thought it was the coolest movie ever. Yeah. You know, because I wanted to go out and do that shit. And, and Thor's in and it. And Thor's in it. And Elizabeth Shue, who's super hot. I was I love those movies where she's supposed to be you know the dorky girl and she's way more attractive than the girl <laughs> that the one douchebags with. Oh, you yeah. mean girls in the eighties? Yeah, <laughs> it's like every eighties movie had that. But no, that's a fun movie. It's yeah, it's it's one of those like fluffy, no really consequential movies. But yeah, I just remember like set pieces in it. Yeah, like the the, the finale at the end with like the skyscraper and everything. Yeah, and, you know it. It escalates and gets really far fetched by the end, but um, and when you're a kid too, uh, Drew Struzan did the oh yeah poster for it, so you know it's something you're really drawn to because he's so great at it. Yeah, that guy can pick out like an iconic, like this image encompasses this entire movie. That's what he's so great at. So, but uh, yeah, it's fun, and uh, I know they remade it recently. It's like a Disney Channel did they movie. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, I yeah I I vaguely remember this. So like oh, gosh, I haven't seen wow. that. And I, no I, Elizabeth Shue, count me out. Yeah. So, 
Uh, yeah. and it's funny. It's like it's a kids' movie, and they're following a playboy for like oh, the yeah. part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so. but in the eighties, though, the kid stuff, uh, like my number one movie, it's it's going to be the kids are more in danger, whether it's the Goonies or whatever movie. The kids were in more peril than I think in any oh. other decade. Oh yeah, uh, you know it's. Uh, but it's fine, and it's it's like a fun movie. I, I have it on Blu-ray, and I I still watch it. I think it's fun. Yeah. But it's one of those. No, you're right. It's, you know, it's one of those ones when I went to Blockbuster, or King Supers, when they used to have video rentals, and I'd always rent it because I just I thought it was just a cute movie and fun. But back then, you just thought it was cool to go on our adventures with Thor, and yeah, yeah. You wanted a Playboy, and then they have to get back at the house and clean it up really fast before the parents get home. Yeah, it's fun. That's my number nine. Awesome. Cool. That's a good one. Henry? All right. Uh, my number nine. Uh, I really like con men kind of stories and like scheming kind of stories. So my number nine is a film by David Mamet called House of Games. David Mamet. He's got a feel for the way people talk and think and cheat and love. And he's got the Pulitzer Prize to prove it. Now America's most exciting writer makes his directorial debut. Join him in the house of games. Slowly look over my left shoulder and tell me if you see him. Yes, he's just crossing the street. The players. A sucker born every minute, huh? And two to take him. A woman of one world. You want to see how a true bad man plies his trade? Yes. Seduced by the thrill of another. We're about to sting this guy. I'll do it with you, please. Discovering that danger is the ultimate high. What is life without adventure? A man who offers you his trust. You've got a tell. A tell? You're telling me the hand that has the coin. You want to know a tell? His confidence. You watch this guy and tell me, does he play with his gold ring? And takes you. Do you want to make love with me? For everything you've got. The game. In or out. Rule one. Don't volunteer anything. Secrecy. However strange things seem, keep your mouth shut. Rule two. What is it you think I want? Control. Somebody to possess you, to take you into a new thing. Rule three. I don't understand how this works. Deception. You keep looking for the tell. Rule four. Police, don't move. Survival. I've got to get out of here. Rule five. Ignore all other rules. We've lost $80,000 we borrowed from the mob. I should have turned around the first moment you brought the broad. In the house of games... There's no one you can trust. Who brought the damn cop? Not even yourself. <laughs> Lindsey Krause, Joe Montaigne, in David Mamet's House of Games. Yeah, House of Games. It's Kids David staring daggers at you right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because I've never seen House of Games. This uh, is one of the ones that, like... We I... had a long, conver- annoying conversation before we started recording. <laughs> where... It was only annoying to you, man. That's I was true. having a great time. Uh, one big guess. Where he was trying to guess what it was. Uh, yeah. But yeah, House of Games, uh, it was doing, I'm pretty sure it's his first directorial film. Uh, but it's about uh, this this gambler who is very, he just counts cards, doesn't really play for the game, he just does it for scamming reasons. He starts going to therapy to kind of get off of gambling, uh, to which instead he teams up with his psychiatrist, or his psychiatrist and therapist, and then she helps him make even more money. And the two of them then use like the psychology of human beings to kind of get more money from people in terms of gambling, in terms of like figuring out like, what everyone's tell is and how that mm. kind of evolves to more bigger things. And so huh. it's one of those things that like is very dated now because there's a lot of stuff in it that was new at the time, but has then been adapted and has become kind of a cliche in con man stories. Mm. But uh, it's fun. I mean, it's not great, but uh, I thought it was 
it's a fun film. So, yeah. It's, a, it's unfortunately one that I remember looking at back when I was doing my David Mamet series mm-hmm. years ago that was really hard to find. Because there's a handful <laughs> of his films. Because it's yeah. actually his second directorial movie. But, oh, really? Um, but it's it's one of those that's really... He's got a handful that are really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, like even American Buffalo, which is my favorite of his films... I still don't own because it's like you, there is no Blu-ray and it's yeah. really hard to get a hold of. But there's a Criterion of House of Car- uh, House of Games now. Yeah. Um, so if you want to see House of Games, you can either get that or you can subscribe to that thing that has yeah. all the Criterion movies. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, cool. Yeah, House of Games. Neat. James. Oh, uh, my number nine is another slightly odd pick, but one of those movies that was like, I realize as I look at this, like, there's. Th- three or four movies here that was like heart family canon when I was a kid. Like this, these were movies that we all loved and would watch anytime we could. And this number nine is certainly one of them. Um, my number nine is inner space. Test pilot Tuck Pendleton wants to make history. Supermarket clerk Jack Putter needs a vacation. Sir, I'm sorry you're late. That's not good. You know it's coupon day. Lieutenant Pendleton is about to be miniaturized, placed into this needle, and then injected into this rabbit. Rock and roll. But something went wrong. And Tuck's about to get a new destination. (laughs) Inside Jack Putter. I'm in a man. Hello, can you hear me? I'm possessed! Now, Jack's got twice the problems. How you doing, Jack? But he's double the man. With Tuck on his side. Kicking more cows! In his gut. <laughs> and on his case. You're not gonna back groceries all your life, are you, Jack? And only 24 hours left for Jack to get out of danger. So that Tuck can get out of Jack. Dennis Quaid, Martin Short. Give yourself a shot of adventure. Inner space. Of course, with uh, the chart-topping hit "Twist in the Night Away" by Rod Stewart. <laughs> Oddly enough, <laughs> that's uh, right. This is on Netflix, and I watched it this week. Oh so yeah, it's oh fresh man, in my mind. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, uh, but I do own the Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> she watched a music video with him and Martin Short. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that I have not seen. That sounds <laughs> pretty it's, good. It's like them running through all these. Uh, I, I don't like just like different scenes. So it's Rod yeah. Stewart and Martin Sheen. We're in a blood Martin vessel. Short. Martin Short. Martin Short. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're just running, and there's like girls <laughs> doing can can and cool. running on the roof from people. It's pretty fun. Is he pretending like he's he's being silly because somebody's pulling on parts of his yeah. body? And there's parts where he's trying to dance like Rod Stewart, <laughs> and it's, oh, okay. it's it's pretty cute. Cool. Uh, yeah, I feel like this was maybe at like the height of Martin Short fandom, or you know, uh, famedom. Yeah, uh, just uh, before Jiminy Glick. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, before he became like that guy everybody knows, but is somehow obscure for some reason. Because uh, even like the poster, uh, Dennis Quaid is like a, a little face off to the side. The main person in it is Martin Short. Um, even though this movie has like Meg Ryan in it, and yeah, anyway, eighties wow. um, number one girl. Oh, so good. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is a movie where Dennis Quaid gets into a giant washing machine and gets shrunk down to a microscopic size and injected into, at first Martin Short, and then he moves into his girlfriend and through yeah. the penis, <laughs> yeah, uh, and no. they and 
Great, great times are had. I know, Brad. But I'm saying he, he was Why are Martin you? Short that he went into his girlfriend. So I was making oh. a sex joke. Anyway, uh, yeah, and the whole time he's getting chased down by like a another robot guy inside of the body. And I remember being pretty terrified by some of those scenes. I don't know why that guy has a robot hand to begin with. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he just does. You're so happy right now. I don't know why he has that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. He feels like like if you took Jaws out of the, the James Bond series and then put him in a giant, tiny little robot. Because I, I don't even remember that character, like, speaking very much. He just, like, he just shows up and grimaces and goes, like, ah, and tries to, like, Pretty break much. your robot with with his claw and you're like what the fuck i don't like you it always freaked me out man yeah and that the whole idea of him like constantly being in danger of this microscopic microscopic guy like getting bigger and a lot of the footage of like he'll like shoot probes into some kind of fleshy thing and then communicate to martin short all those shots were, ooh, i remember being very disturbed by at one point he like gets thrown around and he has to like grab on to some of the fleshy things so that he doesn't get like sucked out or something yeah. like that. Force him. Yeah, the <laughs> the uh like the just those those images of like this robot grabbing these little these like big fleshy gross things and I'm like, Oh, that just looks painful it and makes, terrible. It makes Martin Short like have a scratch in his throat and he's like Yeah Get me some water. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> Early yeah. on in the movie, like Dennis Quaid's like going around Martin Short's body and he's just making incisions wherever the hell he feels like it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, he's like, I need to get out of this giant vein. Let me just cut a hole and let you bleed yeah. all over. And you're like, like wait, that's, that's the one to his heart. Like he's going to bleed out yeah. <laughs> into his lungs. Well, I think the argument is that he's small enough that like he can see blood vessels. So if he can cut, get through the blood vessel can't, um, but it doesn't feel that like it's weird. Yeah, it just feels like he's just going wherever he wants. And it's, then yeah. Martin Short's gonna walk around with holes in his body. Right, like, literally, Martin Short's gonna be walking down the street and just fall over dead, and a giant robot's going to expand out of him <laughs> like Galaxy Quest or something. That's discussed in the movie. At one point, the villains was, is the villain from mm-hmm. a UHF. Yeah, um, who's great. He's like, yeah, you know, why don't we just? Ex- wouldn't it be fun if we just expanded the like the the robot inside him while he's still alive? Like, oh, like, oh maybe I'll think about it. Oh, so but maybe good. The, the weirdest thing is at the end, um, it's a cliffhanger because the the competing company sends uh, like a spy after Dennis uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Yeah, and Martin Short picks up on it because he recognizes the guy, and then he just gets off into like the the sports car, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's he's making comments about how he's gotten over his fear of adventure. And so now he feels like a super spy, and he just cruises after him, and then the Rod Stewart song comes. I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, I think they thought there was going to be a sequel. Which one? Inner Spacer. <laughs> one of one of Joe Dante, going deeper. One of Joe Dante's uh, uh, more underrated fare. I, I Absolutely, yeah. In the part um, where um, Martin Short, like they, he takes like an injection that makes his face look like Robert Picardo, the cowboy. Yes, <laughs> but the, the effects. Of the the face shaking, you know, this is pre CGI, so there's in between the frames, there's like a prosthetic head at some point. It's actually pretty impressive, yeah, uh, and a really odd effect because it's like they're blowing a hair dryer into his face. Yes, yeah. oh, that's right. But yes. it's like claymation where it's freezing and the frames are missing. Yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah, but it's interesting. a fun movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. So people should see Inner Space if you haven't. That's my number nine. Uh, my number nine stars this lady who's in Cocoon. Um, 
Just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I was going to totally sweep somebody's leg. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to start it one way. No, my Ooh. number nine is actually a dark comedy. And when I was little, I really liked this. And I watched it recently. And I realized how much I really do love this film. Uh, it's directed by Danny DeVito. It's called Throw Mama from the Train. Mm. Oh, you've got to get it through your thick head. I may be a lot of things, but I am not a killer. You don't have to blow her brains out or anything. Thank you. That takes the pressure right off. She's old. She's got a bad ticker. All you gotta do is jerk around a lot when you talk to her. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Lift. Stop it. Aaron, what the hell's going on out there? We woke her up. Nothing, Mama. Who's this? This is Cousin Patty. He's gonna be staying with us for a while. Isn't that nice? You don't have a Cousin Patty. You lied to me! Yeah, it's uh, it's a really dark comedy for... I think it's kind of a comedy ahead of its time. Even though it was really popular, I think it made something like $50 million at the box office, which in 1987 is like top 10. And Got an Oscar nomination for... Um, she won. For, oh, for, yeah, for I, the mom. Yeah, she, she died before she got it, though. Mm. Um, she was really sick. If you listen to the commentary on it, uh, she was really sick when they were filming it. Um, but I just always remember, she's always like, Owen! Owen! <laughs> And uh, Danny DeVito plays Owen, uh, the son of this <laughs> Owen, this mother, and he's always dreaming of killing her. And Billy Crystal plays this failed writer because of his divorce. And in the divorce, his wife stole his book and published it herself. So he has this like PTSD about his wife, and um, it's just really dark. And you know, Danny DeVito. A lot of his movies, whether it's Death to Smoochie or something like that, is always going to have kind of a darkness to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little ahead of its time. Steven Soderbergh was the uh, uh, director of photography. Oh, um, wow. I didn't so realize it has, that. Uh, it has, the, the pedigree That's is funny. pretty uh, big on that movie. And it's fun. You know, it's it's still pretty funny. Um, and so basically, Owen is in the class that Billy Crystal's teaching, and he cons them into finding a way to kill their, his mom. Um, and it... It's kind of zany, and then you kind of find out how like depressing Owen is, and um, it's just it's a different movie, but it's really good. If you if you haven't seen it, I think get it on Blu-ray for like four dollars, and I think it's it's one hundred percent worth it. Just a, it's a different movie. The poster sells it as like oh this funny comedy, but it's really kind of a it's very dark, smart, dark. Yeah, and it, it's chuckles. It's not laugh out loud funny. It's kind of a chuckle one. So yeah, throw Mama from the train is my number nine. Awesome, Zach. Um, my number eight, um, we're getting into the classics here. Um, my number eight is a film that I actually didn't see till film school um, in an action class, and I love the shit out of it. Um, my number eight is RoboCop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... 
Robocop. This guy's really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Old Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Let the woman go, you are under arrest. You, you better back up, pal! Your move, creep. What are your prime directives? You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Anything you say may be used against you. He's a cyborg, you idiot. You recorded every word you said. You're dead. We killed you. His memory's admissible as evidence. You're gonna have to kill it. Robocop, the future of law enforcement. <laughs> I thought we were about to match up. I was really excited. No. <laughs> but um, we didn't. Uh, yeah, Robocop. Um, I actually, like, so, like, when I watched it in the action class, like, uh, I was... Let me stop you right there. If you want to listen to a great comment uh, interview we did <laughs> with a guy who was involved in Robocop, uh, check out Real Nerds Real Interview from Telluride Horror Show with Paul Salmon. Go ahead. No, <laughs> no. Um, so when I when I saw in the, when I, when they were about to show it in the action class, I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna see like a RoboCop thing, whatever. <laughs> what I ended up seeing was like this really smart satire on the '80s uh, and consumerism and like fucking like Law and Order and shit like that. Like it's just, it's it's all over the place. Like it's like Paul Verhoeven gave like a big middle finger to the FCC in a weird way, um, in like all different aspects of the culture at that time. Um, it's got Peter Weber in it. He's really funny. Um, what? You said Peter Weber. What? It's Peter, Peter Weller. Weller. Sorry, Weller. Yeah, sorry. Well, um, it's got his chin in it. Since I interrupted you, you have an like in film school. There's just like a class called action. Like for yeah, action. it's action film. Cool. Shouldn't yeah, it be about <laughs> starting rolling the it's film? A, it's a film theory class, so you actually actually dissect the film and not just watch it. So. Ugh, boring. Just want to yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see him get his hand blown off and Let's just do some stunts. Murph. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Um. <laughs> Uh, it's got Kurt Wood Smith in it, um, and he's got my favorite line in the movie is uh, when he walks in, shoots a guy, and goes, bitches, leave. <laughs> Wait a second. That's the opposite of my favorite like villain line of, of all time from Triple X, of bitches come. <laughs> Don't bring trash into treasure, please, James. Uh, no, no, that scene in Triple X is gold. I'm excited for this to be in your film pollution for this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, um, but, but yeah, it's really fun. Oh, oh uber violent, <laughs> uber violent for for its time. It's funny. It's like because you've seen it recently, you've probably only ever been able to see the director's cut, which is uber violent. But mm -hmm. there was a time when it was mm -hmm. censored, mm -hmm. um, and I had the Criterion. That I'm had... not sure if the one we saw on the big screen was the uh, was was that or not? Because it was. It's been about seven years. Well, you since know, I saw it's it like how the... long does Murphy get shot, and how long does the guy uh, in the boardroom get shot? Like, oh, uh, then we probably did. If watch it's the quick, it's cut. the censored one. It's if it's if it goes on for like forever, <laughs> like excruciating it's, it's long. The, yeah. Then yeah, we saw the director's <laughs> cut because it was. I remember it being rather drawn out. Yeah. So and it's really the only one to watch. Yeah, yeah. RoboCop's on my list too higher, but it's. Um, I just like it because it is that kind of eighties ultra violence mm -hmm. and. I think it's an interesting story with how Detroit is kind of failing and the drugs that are coming in 
and thinking that the only one that can stop him is like the superhero cop who they believe doesn't have feelings, but he does. And it's a, it's a, a really cool story. Yep. Yeah. And just like the, the pervasive like businesses taking over government mm-hmm. and like manufacturing false flag like scenarios to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what they're doing. It's weird. Cause Paul Verhoeven, I don't like, I'm not like this uber fan of him, but I do, I do respect the hell out of him as a filmmaker. Cause I, I really like total recall. Um, Starship Troopers is awesome. Um, and like, I've heard that his most recent films like L and stuff like that have been really good. What's so. the one where like he crowdsourced like people to do a bunch of different scenes or like write a bunch oh, of different scenes yeah, and then he yeah. produced like the movie. So I remember like when they were doing like the campaign for that, but I don't remember. He's like ever Trickster came, or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But that like, I'm not like a huge fan of him, but like yeah. that premise is like interests me. Cool. So yeah, RoboCop number eight. Brad? Uh, my number eight is just on here because it's like a fun family uh, thing. Uh, my number eight is Ernest Goes to Camp. Presenting the one, the only, the original, Ernest P. Worrell in his first motion picture. Ernest Goes to Camp, rated PG. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check your local newspaper. Yes, I'm so glad someone got this on their list. <laughs> and it's stupid, and oh. I don't care. Um, it, <laughs> no, I haven't it's awesome. seen it. I haven't seen it more than like uh, JL or Scared Stupid, but it's you know, it's part of the original three Ernest movies that were like. What's fun about big. the Ernest movies is there's an innocence to them, and they also kind of have this underlining like darkness. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. I, I uh, but uh, Jim Varney's great. Yeah, the the best Ernest movie. Um, Scared Stupid's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's my favorite because Scared Stupid scared me too much. <laughs> Yeah, not well. I mean, at the time, I I think Jail was our favorite. I've watched it recently. It's oh yeah, hokey, but yeah, um, I'm sure this one is too. I haven't watched it in a while, but um, it's got the one where it, it might looks, be. I yeah. mean, I I think it's less zany than the like this one's a little more down to earth because he's like you know managing a he's, bunch of kids at camp, right? Uh, whereas the other ones are just <laughs> yeah. like crazy slapstick. <gasps> who is letting Ernest manage kids in camp? <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy who just takes odd jobs. Vern, you know, Vern's the one who's letting him do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh yeah, I I the, really the only thing I remember is when th- there's like the car or something that's like run on toilets or some shit, and he looks into it and he goes, yeah. <laughs> like that's all I remember from the whole movie, and that was enough to make me go, I could make that my number ten. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm sad we're never gonna get a. Ernest Medea crossover. Oh, <laughs> well, there's that one guy who's like son of Ernest, and he's trying to like make. Can we do Medea son of Ernest? <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> like he's pushing hard to be like the like he's not actually Jim Varney's kid. He's just like a guy who is looks a fan like him and like could pass as his kid. And he's trying to like make that franchise happen, and it's probably not gonna happen. No. But what a bizarre thing of. This guy made up a character for a series of commercials and ended up getting a series of movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, more than I've even seen. Like, I've never seen, like, out the. I was about to say out of Africa. I've never yeah. seen Ernest Goes to Africa. Um, Slam Dunk Ernest. Yeah, I haven't seen Slam Dunk Ernest. I always Ernest. remember the poster of <laughs> Slam yeah. Dunk Ernest. Rides again. Huh? Yeah. I've seen yeah. Ernest Rides again, but I don't remember liking it. Yeah, I think it's like. Like, a lot of them were. Christmas. Straight to VHS or DVD by yeah. the end, but. I've seen um, I've seen Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, there's like a Ernest Family History one. That, like I saw the VHS what? for it. Uh, 
at a blockbuster or whatever, but I ne- like never got around to reading it because it was like the most boring box art. <laughs> Please tell me that it's basically like uh, not Christmas with the Cranks, but uh, Nutty Professor, but with Ernest, where he plays all of his family. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what the cover looked like. Okay, I think it was like yeah. the, the I wanted... Brady Bunch like squares and the like. Yeah, it's like Jim Varney yeah. in multiple fat suits to make him look like a like his horrible mother or something. Yeah, yeah. All right, Henry. All right. Well, uh, my we're on number eight, right? Yep. My number eight is surprisingly the highest grossing film of this year. Uh, my number eight is Three Men and a Baby. Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson. Jack. Angela, oh, you look different. What happened? I'm dressed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Three incredibly eligible men hoping to meet some incredibly perfect women. So many women. <laughs> so, so little time. So time. Now, at last, they're about to find that one girl who will sweep them off their feet. <laughs> That's a baby. It's a baby. Of course it's a baby. It's your baby. No. It's not my baby. It's Jack's baby. The child doesn't look anything like me. I have more hair. I want to see the way you three big guys handle this one. I had to go to three different places, buy four different kinds of formula, two different kinds of diapers, bottles, towels, nipples. You do realize she did a doodle. Doodle? Doodle? Yes! Doodle! You haven't been able to work or to sleep. And there's been all over this place for days. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a diaper. Will somebody please tell me what the hell is going on around here? Figure it out for yourself. Are they always this strange? Yes, since they got involved with another woman. Touchstone Pictures presents three normally intelligent men and one little girl. So, uh, what do you want to do? They're about to discover the only thing worse than raising her... Oh, no, no, please, not on the silk sheets! ...is losing her. We should be her family. And let me tell you, the first time you hear the word daddy, I don't care who you are, your heart just melts. Can you drive a little faster, please? Touchstone Pictures presents a comedy about three dedicated bachelors and the one woman in the world they couldn't live without. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say good night, sweetheart. Good night. Three men and a baby. I think she did a doodle. Your turn to change her. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you'll do it. Cool. Directed by the <laughs> recently deceased Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a I good like, movie. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's one of those films that, like, obviously hasn't aged well, like most films from the eighties. But um, <laughs> it's still fun. Is that because like, Steve Gutenberg's in it? Such a backhanded compliment. Has <laughs> um, it really? Not, why? Why is it not aged? I haven't seen it in probably well, there, fifteen years. I've never so. seen it. I mean. Part of the plot is that, like, Tom Selleck just impregnated this woman and left her, and then she's like, here's the baby, and then she leaves. Like, right. it's, it's it, there's a lot of, like, very subtle sexism that wouldn't be okay today. Sure. Like, I, I was actually expecting you to say, like, there's a lot of wacky jokes about, like, it's three men, but they're maternal. Well, yeah. Like, but, like, I can see that as being like, But well, that's the joke, that they're not one. maternal. It's three of the biggest, like, players in all right. of New York then suddenly get a baby. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, men don't understand how to have a baby. Yeah. Was this some executive who saw Mr. Mom was like, how can we up the ante on this? Right. Not one dad. Three, three dads. dads. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all incompetent. Well, it's funny when you read, like, uh, the leaked Sony emails they read just like that oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's how they really do talk yeah like, 
Uh-huh. But it's been like, and clearly it works because it's the highest grossing film that <laughs> yeah. year. No, yeah. it's a fun movie. I haven't seen it's it in great. a while. They made a sequel to it. Yeah, two uh, men and a little, little lady. lady. Little lady. Yeah. And then they were planning on doing a third one that was going to come out like soon called Three Men and a Bride. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen now. <laughs> but, like but it's also one of those problems. I'm surprised they've not even talked about like remaking today. Yeah, it seems like kind of like prime for that. Yeah. And so, and does Tom Selleck never age? Apparently not. He's like 78 now, and he's still. I mean, he looks a little older on Blue Bloods. But I'm like, wow. He has like five so gray his hairs. So. Yeah. yeah, all of his all of his old manness is hidden underneath a mustache. If he ever shaved it, you'd be like, "Buh." <laughs> well, have you ever seen him without a mustache? Doesn't oh, look. The it's, it's so shocking. Yeah, I think it's uh, season four of Friends. He doesn't have a mustache. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like a filter. It's a whole big plot point. <laughs> Aging. <laughs> Just gets sucked in. That's why I do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my three man and a baby. Cool. That's so. a good one, Brett. Sorry, did you? Yeah. James? It's me. The tagline on that movie is, they changed her diaper, she changed their lives. Yep. Uh So my next one, uh, people are going to hate me for, but uh, or maybe, I don't know. Uh, but for the record, this is one of only two films on my entire list that I didn't love when I was like 10 years old and like wasn't a huge part of my childhood. Um, I guess three, but one of them should have been. Uh, so my number eight is Predator. We are rescue team, not assassins. Now, what do we got to do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jen. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took it. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, I killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. Ah! He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, you can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Uh, Thank yeah. you for sweeping that leg before I could. Um, yeah. You should love this movie. I, yeah. <laughs> this should be a top five movie, you motherfuckers. I, I do really like this movie. And if you don't like it, Wait. go to the fucking chopper. Uh, <laughs> uh, every Honestly, now you're going to hear the things above it and be like, Mother, really? Really? That movie? But anyway. Um, 
yeah, no, Predator's really great. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fights an alien, and that's the movie. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Also, Shane Black happened. You know how they got Shane Black in that movie? I've heard this story. They're like, we need you to rewrite this. He's like, I don't want to. We'll put you in the movie. He's like, okay, and then they killed him first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's great. There's a little political subplot where it's like the government kind of turns against these mercenaries. Yeah. Um, yeah, and them. then there's the deception. Yeah. You know, they tell them that they're going out there for one reason. And, you know, Schwarzenegger is like, you set us up. <laughs> and uh, then you find out that people are being skinned. I think the reveal of the creature is it's like great. one of the coolest reveals ever. Oh, yeah. Because it, it starts like a typical Schwarzenegger film, whether it's Commando or right. uh, any of one of his action movies where it's just these guys in a jungle. They're killing a bunch of people. They're sticking around. And, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> then they have that. I mean, because it's kind of subtle because, you know, they attack that base besides the opening with the spaceship going down. But. They attack that base, and then it does the Predator vision, mm. and you don't even know who he is. Yeah. And it's great. It's like him. It's really cool. Kills that scorpion. And it's still one of the, one of the great, actually, maybe <laughs> the greatest Stan Winston design ever. Like, that character is so Drew it on an damn airplane. cool. Yeah. Sitting next to James Cameron. Yep. But not the original design, because Jean-Claude Van Damme was in, this, uh, well, was in yes. the original suit, which looked like. Like a praying mantis. Like a ferret. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> it was bad. Thing, like yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah. great article on The Hollywood Reporter about <laughs> um, this movie shouldn't have been made, and they talk about how much of an asshole Jean-Claude Van Damme was, mm-hmm. because yeah. he... Well, you thought he had a starring role. Yeah, he had a starring role, which it is. Right. You're. The, it's called Predator. Yeah. You get to play Predator. <laughs> but you're really not seen. You and then the lines. They, yeah. All you do is go... When they had him against people like Schwarzenegger, who I think is like 6'2 in real life, yeah. 6 feet, 6'2, and... Van Damme is 5'6". It's really not a match for, you know, Schwarzenegger well, visually. But he's a lot taller if he's doing the splits between two trucks. Yes. <laughs> I then mean, he's, then he's like 15 feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. So, oh my gosh, how cool would it have been if the Predator was just doing splits in the trees? I mean, it's it's, it's my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. And, there, I mean, just the reveal of the Predator, too, when, you know, he's chasing Arnold when he slides down and he goes into the... I guess the river, and he, river. Yeah. And he yeah. crawls out in mud, and the predator comes out, and it's all like his camouflage is wearing off, and he's looking. I think it's one yeah. of the coolest creature designs ever. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, it's really great. I have to say, when you started saying the whole like th- the history of Jean Claude Van Damme, I was at first I thought you were going to say, "Well, no," because he also designed Jean Claude Van Damme, and Jean Claude <laughs> Van Damme is the greatest design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As though he crafted Sean uh, before Marvel. cocaine, he yeah. was pretty perfect. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just saying it's definitely better than Overboard and Inner Space. It is. It's awesome. <laughs> it's one of the greatest action movies ever. It is really cool. Now I have to think about like, yeah, is that is that the best Schwarzenegger film? It is to me. And I, I mean, I, it's I, definitely no. I'm not arguing against uh, you. I'm trying to think of anything yeah. that could be even. I say Jingle two. All the Term- Way. Terminator, Terminator, Terminator Two, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot in like from. Pretty much from 84 to the late 95. 90s, 95, 96. Yeah. He had a great run of movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Junior. And so, uh, you know, Batman if, and Robin kind of derailed him, but. Oh, man. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. I want, I want to argue for True Lies. True like, Lies. I think, oh, he's, I think awesome. he's better in True Lies. I keep Lies. on waiting for that to come out on Blu-ray. It's <sighs> like one of the most requested titles on Blu-ray. It's so good. Oh, it's hey, really not it? out yet? No. Wow. Baseball came out. There's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's way for me. Well, uh, 
I have a long story about how Best Buy pissed me off. Oh, I'll share that story with you then. Yeah, so mine's in my mailbox right now. Oh, lucky. Well, I ordered it because fucking Best Buy said it's only at Best Buy. And when I went there, the guy's like, you can only order it online. I'm like, why do you have it in an ad saying it's available at Best Buy? I, I Online it said uh, the Aurora store had two of them. Yeah, well, they told me to go pick it up in Aurora. Yep, and I said, actually there. I told them to go fuck themselves. I, uh, <laughs> like, I, I scoured the shelves, but you know, like the the five ninety nine bin that's just like massive, like even just candies stuffed in there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I emptied that thing just out of spite. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and just, like just, just, you just kicked it out over as you walked out of the store. Yeah, like the one guy's like, you can look at the bin and see if it's like maybe someone stuffed in there. Like, oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, my guy said, uh, he said we don't have them. Um, I said, well, can you order me one? He's like, you can order it online. Oh, right. (laughs) Customer service. I know. So I bitched out the poor lady on like the chat on customer service. And I was so pissed because I literally spent almost two grand because I just got my 4K TV Hmm. and a 4K player. I'm like, really? You really should have just asked him for a manager while you were there and bitched at that guy. I know I should have. But I was like, I did it because I needed to count to 10. Yeah. Because I was like, are you? I was literally like, are you kidding me right now? I'm going to throw Blu-rays at every TV you have. And I mean, in the scheme of things, is it really worth to get mad over basketball? But it's, <laughs> it's a weird game of like making an exclusive, but you can only get online too. Yeah, but it's not. But yeah. that's not true. They're full of shit. And I told that to the lady on uh, on the customer. So I'm like, you guys are lying. Yeah. You said it's available in stores. It doesn't say only on BestBuy.com. It's in yeah. your fucking weekly ad for that fucking store. It's okay, right? It's Assholes. okay, buddy. It's okay. Calm down. Calm down. No, I just hate it's how okay. they treat no, it's people. Okay. I know. You pay I know. Four bucks I know. to ship it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, okay. I gave him a fucking earful. It's okay. I got. It. I should have just screenshotted that chat and tweeted it and told Best Buy customer service to suck my dick. Hush, little baby. <laughs> Best Buy, suck my dick. Well, the last time, last time they were like that when they had Best Buy exclusives and they don't put them out on the floor. I called them out on Twitter and they're like, oh, you could have resolved it. Like, no, fuck you. You guys are the worst. Okay, That's when you put Scrooge on top of all of the movies. Yes. <laughs> uh, You're going to love it. Anyways, that's my basketball rant. Nice. So what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight has a killer sax solo in it. And it's it's on a beach on a pier. <laughs> and uh, wow. it stars Kiefer Sutherland and Corey Haim. And my number eight is The Lost Boys. Uh. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. So where are you? The fine nun? I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! What's happening to me, Star? Get yourself a good, sharp stick. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, brother. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael, they're coming! I still believe. Um, <laughs> I've never seen this movie. Before. Oh my god! Oh, you should. Never. That's like when Joel Schumacher was good. Um, 
Yeah, the Lost Boys is a story about uh, this divorced mom who moves to uh, what's the name of the fucking town? Et town. You haven't seen it either. Los Angeles. No, it's like Santa Barbara, Santa Claus, Santa Cruz, something like that. Santa Clara. Yeah, uh, uh, Henry, look up. Anyways, they moved to this town, Monica, and shut up, James. And (laughs) (laughs) they, while they're there, they get. The older son gets involved with this gang of guys who happen to turn out to be vampires led by Kiefer Sutherland. I hate when that happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, it's just a cool movie. And it's actually really gory. Are they and, just vampires from the wrong side of town that yeah. they need a teacher to teach them how to Have you to, not seen it either? Succeed? No, I just told you I haven't seen this. He was the first one who said it. Had it so no, yeah, I wasn't yeah. listening. Um, <laughs> am I the only one who's seen The Lost Boys? No, I've, seen, seen, it. I've seen, seen The Lost Boys. You've seen it? And I think I've seen The Tribe, but I think I tried to forget it. <laughs> Lo- that is, it's that is. Right. I think I've seen The Lost Boys, The Tribe, for the record. The yeah, I, I've seen them both. I have them. Where Corey Haim shows up at the end sitting on a bench. Yep, because he's a vampire now. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Uh, when Corey Feldman was really good in the mid-80s, and uh, there's, a, there's a great, when the older brother, find, played by Jason Patrick, finds out he's a vampire, and Corey Haim comes downstairs. He's like, I need help. He's like, no way. My own brother, a goddamn sucking bloodsucker. And it's really funny. Uh, yeah. Santa Carla is where Santa Carla. Thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's a cool movie. Cool. And I like it. And it's good for yeah. Sutherland's really good in it. He's uh, the leader of the vampires. Or is he? And he's uh, and he is, he's really menacing. And that's what's cool. Kiefer Sutherland's always been kind of like the cool menacing guy. And he plays the va- head vampire really well. What is the twist in that movie? Because I, I know you don't remember. Does, does it end up being like that they're all following orders from like Alucard or something like that? <laughs> they're all werewolves. Yes. Yeah. They're all werewolves. Acula. Dr. Acula. Yeah. Dr. Acula. <laughs> uh, no, there's... Uh, I don't want to reveal the twist if people haven't seen it oh, in I 30 guess that's years. True. Um, I guess I'll go back and watch The Lost Boys again. But yeah, no, there's, uh, there's a fun little moment at the end. Where yeah. Uh, I will say the end is with the grand. They go move with the grandfather, and he's like, "Yeah, it's a nice town, except for all the goddamn vampires." And that's like the last line of the movie. <laughs> I will say, if you've already seen it, it's a good background watch, like to put in the background while you're doing something mm-hmm. else. Because if you already know the plot, it kind of comes yeah. easily. So, yeah, it's fun. Uh, Corey Feldman plays uh, these two, uh, one half of the brothers. They're called the Frog Brothers that run a comic shop and try to teach everyone about the vampires around town. Yep. Good stuff. Sounds like fun. I'd like to. See I this still movie. believe. You should watch that online. It's pretty funny, <laughs> especially out of context of the film. <laughs> just some like really buff dude playing saxophone. The saxophone looks like it's a fiddle in his hand. It's great. I should just watch it right now and then say like, okay, guys, my new number one for 1987 is Keith Sutherland playing jazz sax on the phone. It would. It, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yep. Cool. Zach. All Zach. right. So my number seven is into the mic. Oh, sorry. No, I'm looking. Sorry. My number seven is a repeat. Uh, my number seven was Predator. Oh. Um, so, I re- <laughs> Seriously, this is like lo- the nice guys all over again. <laughs> oh, it's I, not. No, it's not because I didn't sweep the leg. James did. So also, also, if we're going to say it's like the nice guys, don't worry. I put the Shane Black movie higher on my list. So did I. Go ahead. Anyway, um, so I, I remember the first time I saw Predator and I was waiting for the Predator and I forgot that Schwarzenegger was in the movie. Like, I was literally waiting for an alien to show up, and the first half of the movie ended up being not my not the best part of the movie, obviously, but, like, it was just so strong. I was just like, I could watch this movie and not have an alien in it and be just fine. 
Um, but then the alien does show up, and then like shit goes bananas. Um, it's it's fucking amazing. There's so many one-liners that like that fucking permeated into pop culture, like get to the chapa and uh, it bleeds, we can kill it and stuff like that. Like it, Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? CIA got you pushing too many pencils? <laughs> it's so cool because in the beginning, Schwarzenegger's on the helicopter. And he's just sitting there with a cigar in his mouth. That's an iconic uh, Schwarzenegger uh, image. One of the many. Oh, yeah. One of his, of oh, his yeah. iconic ones. Whenever he's smoking a cigar, I'm like, that's, that's Schwarzenegger, all right. Um, but, um, I, I mean, so I think it's like my fourth favorite Schwarzenegger movie because there are ultimately other ones that I enjoy. But this one is really strong. Uh, it led to uh, – I, 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 I love – I dig Predator 2 enough. I love Predators. Um, never seen the Alien versus Predator stuff, so I'm kind of like, whatever. And I'm, it's got, I mean, like, I need to watch it again just so I can get pumped for Shane Black's uh, upcoming Predator film. Cause... Shane Black, there's a name. Yeah, he's a name. <laughs> I think he comes back on my list. Yeah, I think he comes back on my list. Oh, he definitely comes back on my list. A couple more times. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Predator, check it out. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or die. <laughs> Yep, Brad. Yes. Brad? Back to me. Uh, my number seven is probably going to squeeze some legs, but I don't give a shit. It's Spaceballs. There it is, Planet Druidian. And underneath the air shield, 10,000 years of fresh air. We must get through that air shield. We will, sir. Once we kidnap the princess, we can force her father, King Roland, to give us the combination to the air shield, thereby destroying Planet Druidia and saving Planet Spaceball. Everybody got that? Space Bones, the move. Princess Vespa spaceship within range, sir. Good. What's going on? It's either the 4th of July, or someone's trying to kill us. Now we will show her who is in charge of this galaxy. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Slotkin will give your daughter back her old nose. No! Only one man and his trusted companion can save planet Druidia from disaster. Okay, Eagle Five, coming in. Home Star. First, they must learn the secrets of yogurt. Yogurt? I am the keeper of a greater magic. The Force? No. The Schwartz. Avoid capture on a distant planet. Tell them to comb the desert, you hear me? Comb the desert! Found anything yet? We ain't found... Battle the entire Spaceball army. My hair! He shot my hair! Holy... And escape the clutches of dark... Helmet. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Abandon ship, proceed to escape pods. What's the matter with this seat, ah! When does this happen in the movie? Give me Spaceballs. The movie. How do I know you're not making faces at me under that thing? And may the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> Good. Fuck, Fuck you. Going home. Overrated. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Let me ask you, Brad. Do you memorize the entire movie in your fucking head? <laughs> I didn't because it's my number seven. So. <laughs> <laughs> so hey. Hey, look what you just made my kids say. I'm sorry. Did I? I know. Did that? Did 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 that mean Can't man say, make you feel like uh, your ears your were trash cans? as big as mine. It's as big as mine. That's probably true. Uh, <laughs> and we wonder why he parrots everything we say. I'm sorry. I did not mean to. Not okay. Um, so yeah, later. why do you like Spaceballs made by comedy legend Mel Brooks? <laughs> Note the disdain in my voice, Brad. <laughs> I'm waiting until I can actually hear my own thoughts. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, You're not good at multitasking, are you? Kelly, come here. No, it's, it's, a, it's a fun parody of obviously one of the biggest Star Trek. movies of all time. Yeah, Star Trek, yes. yeah. Um, Planet of the Apes. I haven't seen it in a while, so I can't remember like a lot of references and things. But uh, Oh, okay. Gee. But, uh, yeah. Like, it, it, it makes fun of like a nerd movie without like being insulting. Yeah. Like it's almost a, like a, a nerd mo- like parody. Uh, it's well, I, it's a satire. I think well, that yeah. the strength of that film and most Mel Brooks films is that they take the genre and they actually construct a legitimate story around it. That just happens to be set up to kind of call out the other franchises and stuff like that. Like yeah. the story of Lone Star barf and uh dark helmet is like it's it's pretty legitimate like you i could see an adventure like that if it even if it were taken seriously like that's the strength of mel brooks's writing and his writing team i think it's like thomas Meehan and uh uh john morris or no john morris not was the was the guy who did the score but like thomas Meehan and ronnie graham ronnie graham um, was on the writing team for that film and they just they did a fantastic job of like not spitting in Lucas's face or Roddenberry's face or anybody's face, you know. They just they just kind of went along with whatever they could, you know. I think the the, the movie uh, satires the fandom more than it does the yeah. actual source yeah. material. I think the, there's a the lot whole of that, like yeah. the whole merchandising and everything and uh, like all those jokes and uh, are kind of permeate more than like you know. He even takes shots at he takes a lot of shots of himself in the movie too because like yeah. it's a great moment where they're like. Uh, uh, we we can uh, fast forward. Uh, like, uh, get, get me a copy of Spaceballs the movie, <laughs> and the uh, wall pops up, and it's all of Mel Brooks's films lined up on a row, like producers, twelve chairs, and blazing saddles. And then they actually watch the movie, and then they cut to the part of the movie that they're already at. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it just it's really oh, it's good. so it's so brilliant. I fucking love that movie so much. Yeah, so that's my number seven. I'm gonna definitely talk a little more about it later. That's too bad. I like the part where they make the joke. <laughs> I've never seen this film, so. Uh, Man, we pretty good. found shit. It's pretty good. I lost it's the bleeps, I lost the sweeps, and I lost the creeps. The what, the what, and the what? <laughs> it's one of the best Mel Brooks movies, which makes it, you know, all right. I've seen one <laughs> Mel Brooks film. Oh, which one? One of those directors that I've never really gotten around to watching, uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah, it's like that, but in space. Okay. Cool. Cool, I've seen it then. Um, James, I hate you. I know. <laughs> Henry, what's your number seven? It's two. Uh, it's two. <laughs> my number seven is uh, another finance film. Uh, my number seven is Wall Street. Mm. From the director of Platoon, Wall Street. Stock is plummeting. When it hits 18, buy it all. Something big is going down. I want to know where he goes and what he sees. I want you, pal, to fill out the missing picture. Mr. Gecko, that's not exactly what I do. Well, you can trade your honor. I can lose my license. That's inside information. For power. If you're not inside, you are outside. I know what this guy's all about. Greed. 
There is no nobility in poverty anymore, Dad. Greed is good. Greed works. What makes you tick, bud? The fear of being poor. That's all gonna change. So I'm catching the express. All right, Mr. Gecko. You got me. Trade your peace of mind. What's in it for moi? More money than you ever dreamed of. Just the beginning, pal. If any trouble does arise, you are on your own. The trail does stop with you. For a piece of the action. The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth. Five trillion dollars. All it takes is a little inside information. I don't care where or how you get it. I think you owe me. And you can trade everything you believe in. He's using you, kid. You're too blind to see it. For everything you've ever wanted. I get a strange call from the SEC. They asked to see my records. This is heavy, bud. I don't know where you get your information, son, but I don't like it. Michael Douglas. Why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? Charlie Sheen. When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? Daryl Hannah. You may find out one day that when you've had money and lost it, it's much worse than never having had it at all. Martin Sheen. What I see is a jealous old machinist who can't stand the fact that his son's become more successful than he has. You see, he's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his what? An Oliver Stone film, Wall Street. Ah, so uh, pre-HIV Charlie Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Also one of like... As far as we know. Three. <laughs> one of three films that Oliver Stone didn't ruin yeah, yeah yeah it's a good oliver stone movie yeah i think there's only three of them so um yeah platoon yeah. wall street and talk radio yeah uh no um <laughs> i actually don't care for this film so i'm gonna take it later. <laughs> oh, yeah, <it's> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah i mean i like it. it's not like it's it's in my bottom five so it's not one of those films i'm i'm not insulted that he doesn't like it so <laughs> um but yeah it's just i don't know i think performances I like, are really good no yeah i think i yeah. think i mean you watch it for Michael Douglas. Oh yeah, and it's like, a, it is like a pinnacle eighties movie. Like that movie is about what the eighties were. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a shot like that's even in the trailer of Gordon Gecko on the beach with a cell phone. Yeah, and that was and how that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Like and that's like the the pinnacle of luxury. Look so, how rich I am. And so, I mean, it's just, I also just love those kinds of stories of like rags to riches to super riches back to rags, and so sure. and yeah. so it's just something I've always been drawn to. So. Cool. Yeah. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah, Wall Wall Street. Uh, sequel's not great, but it didn't. Nope. Re- it wasn't really good enough to warrant a sequel. So, yeah. At the same time, what can you expect? The sequel wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But no, it's interesting. There's something to it. Yeah. It's it's like a thing you should see, and then you go like, okay. The it's... fact that it's able to redeem uh, Gordon Gecko is really strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Anything else about Wall Street? Or is it my number seven? That's it. Okay. Uh, my number seven is definitely a movie that only I'm going to probably talk about, I would think. Uh, again, this is a movie that was like heart family canon that uh, like we all just loved. And every time it came in on, it was like, oh, man, we're going to sit down and watch Harry and the Hendersons. For ages, he is hidden in the forest. Eluded hunters baffled scientists and remained a mystery until the Hendersons bumped into him. What is it? It's a major discovery. We have to take it home. George. It's alive! 
Sighting of the creature that some people are now calling. Harry! Harry? What is the other name? Since right now. The average American family just got bigger. Harry and the Hendersons. Isn't he something? Harry and the Hendersons is a... John uh, Lithgow's finest moment. Well, no, but a great <laughs> one. Uh, it's a movie where John Lithgow's family uh, adopts a Sasquatch that they find in the woods. And he does wacky things like break their house or put a giant dent in the top of their car because he's big. Um, that movie is actually really good. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, shoot, like, this is a movie... Where it, it's kind of... it's. It's kind of a movie about if you adopt a dog and like you fall in love with that dog like and then Beethoven, eventually but better. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yes. It's like Marley and Me. Um <laughs> where, like, you, you learn to love the dog but the whole time the dog is a Sasquatch. <laughs> no, the Sasquatch doesn't. Uh no, no, no. In Sasquatch played by Kevin Peter Hall who is also the predator. Oh, that's right. Just saying 87 Man. was a great year for him. Wow. <laughs> that's cool. Uh 1990 not so much. <laughs> um but yeah, no, it it like it's such a heartwarming film, because uh, like you you've got this family that you know has this problem. It has one of those daughters where like she's she's supposed to not be the coolest kid, but she's actually pretty cute, and uh, and you've got this family that's got all these like things they got to work out while they figure out whether or not they can keep the Sasquatch a secret. Um, so basically, it's like Paddington but with Bigfoot. <laughs> Does Nicole Kidman hunt down Harry? No. <laughs> there is a whole plot where, yeah, there's a guy who's like, I, oh, I knew you got a Sasquatch. But it's not Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, like the guy wants to find and catch and kill the Sasquatch, Harry, so as to not, so as to prove that the Sasquatches are real. Uh, and then that's why they end up deciding, like, hey, you know what? The best thing we can do for, for Sasquatch, Harry, is to uh, release Sasquatch into the woods. <laughs> and then at the end, all his friends come out of the woods. And you're like, holy shit! The woods are magical and full of Sasquatches. Uh, it's great. I do. Kind I of loved wish, this movie. I haven't seen it, but I do kind of wish that the ending was the ending to Marley and Me, where John Lithgow sadly puts down Harry. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah, no, it's wonderful. Oscar gold, there, guys. This was a this was a childhood favorite, to be sure. So, I will also say that one of the best picture nominees this year was My Life as a Dog, which I'm pretty sure isn't going to be on any of our list. I don't think I just spoiled it. But. I'm pretty confident that Harry and the Hendersons is better than that. Probably. <laughs> Ryan, what's your number seven? My number seven is a repeat. It's Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, cool. Right. Like I said, it's a, it was a childhood favorite. It was one of them I always rented. I mentioned it before, and I love Elizabeth Shue. Uh, at that time, she's... Eh, she's Actually, she's still really attractive. But <laughs> um, I, I was totally in love with her. I wanted her to be my babysitter. Never happened, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. 
Explain. <laughs> I wrote her so many letters for years. Yes, and she never came and babysat me. I only got one from her, but it was said restraining order. And <laughs> but maybe she'll hear this podcast and she'll feel sorry for you. Be like, That'd be sweet. I wanted to be his babysitter too, but we could never connect. Oh, <laughs> and now I can. Maybe Aww. one day. What if she calls you and wants to babysit Kellen? She can. Can I stay home too? <laughs> <laughs> then it wouldn't be babysitting. You're I jealous know. of your son for like the next twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> she got to hold you. Whenever I'm, she smells good. Whenever Probably. I'm not home, Elizabeth Shue is in my house. Um. <laughs> what? Because because she's babysitting. So oh, okay. He can't be home. She takes Kellen on an adventure in Denver, <gasps> and I, and she has to race me home. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, adventures in babysitting. <laughs> I bet her sweater's really comfortable. I bet. I want to wear her skin. <laughs> okay, we took a little too far. <laughs> I think, what's the oh. next logic stuff of like, creepiness? Like, <laughs> you found it. Uh, <laughs> yep, you got there. Zach? Cool, Zach. Number right. six? My number six is definitely going to sweep some people's legs. What is um, wrong with fucker? you? My number six is the Monster Squad. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin. They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? You wait for the werewolf. Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something down there is killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. This episode. What could you possibly have on your list after this? Just wait. <laughs> well, I mean, other Shane Black movies, movie, movies that I love, but also that you guys can give me endless amounts of shit for, so we all win. So, like, so what you're trying to do is sweep everybody's legs with better movies. No, so, so we can just sit through your shit. Are you sure you're not looking at it reverse? Like, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, no, I. I'll talk about this movie later. I'll hear why Zach's wrong, why it's this low on his list. So this is a wonderful, wonderful film about uh, a group of kids who are part of a monster fan club um, uh, that suddenly find themselves in a situation where the universal monsters come to life. Uh, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, uh, Wolfman. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's Fred Decker directed it, and he didn't co-write with Shane Black, did he, on this one, or is it? I think it's just Fred Decker. Mm. 
No, uh, Shane Black wrote it. Yeah, I remember. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, but anyway, so like it's 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 wonderful. It's like it's again in that vein of the of the 80s with Goonies and stuff like that, where the kids were allowed to curse. So it's extremely fun on that level. Um, there's a uh, kids could even wield shotguns in that movie. My favorite moment in that film is when uh, Horace. Um, uh, shoots. Um, uh, does he shoot the mummy? I believe it's the mummy. Or fuck. Did, you, did you even see? Boo! God damn it! Boo! <laughs> but the boo. The, the point is, if it's on your list, know the fucking film, asshole. <laughs> boo! Oh, that's unfair. Um, uh, but the boo. <laughs> Hannah and her sisters is a movie directed by Woody Allen. <laughs> um. No, but the point is that the bully kids go like, oh, way to go, fat ass. And then he goes, my name is Horace. And he just cocks the shotgun. I, I fucking love it. Not right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly sure that's the line, Ryan. Either way. Mm, nope. It's a cool movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. So. The Alamo Draft House is doing a 30th anniversary cast reunion, I think, next oh, Friday. Next, next Thursday. Oh, Thursday. I, I mean, I've, gonna... I've already taken a picture with Andre Gower, but I mean. Do you want to go anyway? Because I want to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as my wife isn't working, I can go. Sweet. Probably, it has to be sold out by now, then. Maybe. I don't know. No. Oddly enough. You know who really did a great <laughs> job on that movie? <laughs> Stan Winston. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same name's going like, to show the up The Gilman's great. Yeah. Also, the, yeah, oh, the, the subplot so with the with the German neighbor um, is amazing. It's, it's I I was like I remember watching it like it was like twelve or thirteen when I first saw it, and I was just like, "That's in this movie. That's really cool." <laughs> uh, and I'll correct uh, Zach. Rudy kills the mummy. Horace shoots the Gill Man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Later, Band Aid Breath. Rudy's the bad boy who has a heart of gold. That movie's great. Also, the the sister not being a virgin thing. Mm-hmm. It's funny as fuck. Well, I mean, with Steve, he doesn't count. Doesn't count! <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. So, yeah, wonderful film. Monster Shows up Club. later on my list. Me too. Cool. Brad? Brad? I've never seen it. Well, if you, ha- if you had, it would be really, it would be higher on your list than Zach's. Oh. Uh, maybe you should skip me. Really? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Okay, I'm just six, curious right? because these yeah, guys are picking six. these movies. I'm like, what the fuck could be? Well, I mean, the ranked. top my top five is the correct movies in the top five, and no one has swept any of my top five yet. Mm. Well, no, that's not true. I have three left in my top five because <laughs> technically, that I mean, obviously, that means that Monster Squad is in my top five somewhere. Uh, my number six is a classic, and it's the best of the trilogy. Um, it's way more fun than the first one, um, but they had. More to work with when you get to remake your first film. My number... Th- Whatever he's talking about has nothing to do with me. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm clear. My number six is Evil Dead 2. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2.
two dead by dawn. <laughs> I don't feel guilty anymore. Ryan, do you even have any movies? No, to talk like about? I'm just gonna be like <laughs> left over and I don't care, whatever. You guys are all wrong about your lists. <laughs> um This is your favorite of the three? Yeah, it's a... Uh, well, it, it, well, it's, it's a hard. close second to like Army of Darkness. I, guess. I always think it's yeah, hard with tough. this film because uh, Army of Darkness is so tonally different. Yeah, yeah. Um, this film's amazing though. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's 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 the first one on a bigger, better budget. Um, I think it's the first one too where you get a sense of the filmmaker Sam Raimi will become. Yeah, uh, it's more fun to watch. It's um, more tech, visually sophisticated. Better realized. <laughs> yeah, it's got some awesome stuff like when that lady dances around in the woods with her head. It's yeah. great. Like when the animal heads start going dead by dawn, dead by dawn. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't need him fighting with his own and hand. You know, Bruce Campbell never got a lot of credit, but he's a great actor physically. He's a mm-hmm. great when, comedian. When, he's, uh, when his hand's possessed and he's hitting himself over the head with plates and flipping himself over and when he's lying knocked out and it's dragging him across the floor is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, refresh my memory. In the first one, he doesn't actually cut off his hand and get the chainsaw. It's no. this one, right? So a lot of people think that Evil Dead 2 is a remake of Evil Dead 1. What happened is is the, every single Evil Dead movie has been released by different companies. Uh, so the first one... So Evil Dead 2 is actually retells the beginning of Evil Dead 1 in the first like 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you watch Evil Dead 1 at the end, the force, which is the demonic force, like goes into Bruce Campbell's mouth... In Evil Dead 2, there's a part where he looks and it knocks him through the forest. Yeah. And when he gets knocked through the forest, that's when Evil Dead 2 is, like, all new. Yeah. Um, and he gets possessed and it's... it's more, but it more or less retcons the first one. No. Does it? Okay. No. It, it, yeah, it's, it's more catching you up because if you hadn't seen the first one... Yeah, and they, and they a... couldn't... Just like in um, Army of Darkness, where they could only use, like, specific shots from Evil Dead 2, mm. they reshot some things because... They couldn't use the footage from Evil Dead One. Right. Was uh was two and Army of Darkness were done by Dino De Laurentiis, right? Uh, Evil Dead. Uh, I mean Army of Darkness was. Oh, okay. I thought two was too. Um, so I'm probably wrong though. I'm not the Raimi guy, but yeah, no, I love Evil Dead too. It's a good film. Almost made my list. Yeah. I yeah I chose to just leave it off so as not to get stabbed. It's fine. I don't care. Also, because for me, like that was a movie that I didn't find until like I watched Army of Darkness first. Hmm. Um, at, you know, somewhere around seventeen or eighteen. Too. You know, I remember being drawn to Army of Darkness first because I, I know I'll never forget. I was in a Kmart in, in the video cassette aisle, and it had the poster of like a totally ripped Bruce Campbell fighting a bunch of skeletons. That's how I found it. Then I went backwards. Yeah, um, I think I saw this one just through the Esquire, like that mm. that run they had of all three of them. Oh yeah, well, when yeah. was that? When I won the trivia every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, Evil Dead Two is great. Yep. Henry. All right. Uh, my we're on number six, right? Six. Yeah, yeah six. six. Uh, my number six uh, had the most nominations this year at the Oscars. Uh, it also, in a rare turn of events, won everything it was nominated for. Mm. Uh, my number six is The Last Emperor. I have decided that you will be the new lord of 10,000 years. You will be the son of heaven. <laughs> At the age of three, he ascended to the dragon throne. As a boy, he was the absolute ruler of imperial China. Stop! The 
emperor will walk. His life filled with sights and sounds no other human being on earth could experience. I think the emperor is the loneliest boy on earth. I want a modern wife, Johnston, who speaks English and French, and who can dance the quick step. As a man, he became its captive. I do not want to escape anymore. I want to rule. A victim of its violent history. I stop. I am accused of being a traitor, a collaborator, and a counter-revolutionary. It is not an accusation! A prisoner of his own power. Do you think a man can become emperor again? Yes. The Japanese. They are getting closer to him every day. He was Pu Yi, Lord of 10,000 years. 10,000 years! The last emperor. Bernardo Bertolucci's The Last Emperor. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those like best picture winners that most people haven't seen. Cause just, yeah, it's I haven't not, seen it. It's not one that people are really drawn to. One, because people mostly think it's foreign, which it's not. Right. It's all in English. Uh, and it's also like the story <laughs> of... It's a China Who's story. that directed by? Uh, oh, what's, what's his name? Zach? Bertolucci. Yeah, him. Uh, and it's an Italian director. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's surprisingly much more gripping than I thought it was going to be. It's a, It tells this true story based on the autobiography of the last emperor of China in the earliest, early 19th century. And... Uh, I think it was nineteenth century, yeah. And it's basic it's basically like him he became emperor when he was three years old, and you see him kind of grow up to being an adult and then kind of the overthrowing of the emperor and the rise of communism in China. Uh it's definitely my kind of film. Um but it's it's good. It's it's very well made. They actually shot it in the Forbidden Palace, which is kind of unheard of. Uh and yeah, it just it's really Peter O'Toole's in it, Peter O'Toole's amazing in it. Uh, as he is in almost everything he's done. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he's yeah, it's actor. uh I mean it's one it's I think it's certainly not the worst best picture film I've seen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think if you have a chance to, I would check it out. Because it is, it is pretty gripping. So. I think it's Criterion release, isn't it? Yep, or, it's Criterion. Yeah. So, but I mean, you can find it in other places as well. So. It is a good film. Yeah, it is. James? Okay, my number six. Uh, honestly, we're getting at a point where pretty much every movie from here on out, I could make an argument for being my number one. Um, but my number six is a, a really great Shane Black film, uh, but not that one that Zach just talked about. My number six is Lethal Weapon. Mine too! <gasps> yeah! He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No guns, no jujitsu, just bring him down. They really wanna jump? Well then, that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, I what do you mean? Wait a minute! What the hell? 
15 was ready to retire. Now, he's gonna wish he had. Gun! Oh! 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 Raj, meet your new partner. New partner? <laughs> Too old for this. If these guys can just stand each other... What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old-timers carry those. The bad guys don't stand a chance. Don't kill anybody. Don't tell anybody. I'm too old for this. Are you as good as you say you are? Nobody can touch me. Suppose we better register you as a lethal weapon. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. And you guys think I'm crazy. This no. is way better than well, number six. What, no, hold on, now, hold so. on, hold on, hold on. Sit down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Lethal Weapon is arguably the best film of 1987. Uh, th- th- this movie is unbelievably cool. And the only thing that's wrong, like the only reason it is this low is because there are th- parts of it that haven't aged as well. And because it's... It's a movie that when you go back and you watch the first one, like, I love these characters, and I, for me, like, I, I, all four of those films, it, you know, color my my view of the first one, and so, like, I know how awesome Riggs is, because I know, like, he can pop his shoulder out, and I know about how cool, like, the story is with his wife, and then, like, you know, the story when Joe Pe- uh, uh, or, uh, you know, what's-his-face talks about the frog, and all Joe of that, uh, and all of that, like colors my 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 view of the first film. But when you just look at the first one, you're like, this movie's really great, um, it, but just it, not quite as good as the other things on like, my list. Help, but this and like Midnight Run helped define like action buddy comedies. Oh yeah, I mean, and man, Mel Gibson in this movie is amazingly good. Mm-hmm. That scene after the jumper. Like where he he puts the gun in his mouth and and you know he's telling him like you just pull the trigger like you I want to know you're really crazy oh is so good I mean that's the movie you watch and you can't you can't watch this movie and and when it's over not be like man I really want Mel Gibson back yeah like you have to just want that guy to be in more movies because uh, he is so good I'd go um, even a little bit further back in the film when uh, I think it's after the sniper or the, no the the coke bust. And he's sitting in his trailer alone, and he's uh, loading mm. the gun, and he's watching a Christmas special, and it's just fucking like, um, like it's just it's a tense moment, and oh and yeah, it's a it's a extreme close up on Gibson's face, yeah. Like at one point, he's trying to like do it under the chin, and then he puts it in the mouth, and mm-hmm. it's just, oh god, yeah, such a wonderful performance. Well, what's great about Shane Black scripts too is most of their most of the heroes in them are damaged, mm-hmm. yeah, and they have to find a way through their own darkness to get to the end. It to the end of their story, whether it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, whether it's Lethal Weapon, um, even Iron Man Three. You know, it's he has a very specific tone for hit the journey of his heroes, mm-hmm. and it, it, Danny Glover. You know, he has to learn to care again. Mm-hmm. You know, because all he cares about is getting out of there, and he kind of takes Riggs under his wing, and it's a great movie. Too old so for good. this shit, man. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie that like. I'm glad that Richard Donner didn't do Superman 2. Like, <laughs> g- genuinely. Um, 
because it's so strong. I, I mean, all four of them to me are really strong. like I. I don't think there. Some of the sequels are weaker, obviously, um, but all great to yeah. me. Um, and there are a few things I find more badass than Mel. G- within the whole third act of this movie, but especially Mel Gibson running down the highway with the machine gun on his back, and then. The fact that this movie ends with just a mud wrestling match in in uh, Donnie, Donald Glover's <laughs> let him, front let him yard. Let work it out. Yeah, I take full like, responsibility. He all, killed one of our men. <laughs> this thing that shows, yeah, like all the cops show up and they just let these guys beat the shit out of each other, and you're like, this could never happen. But I'm so glad it's <laughs> happening. Uh, like that sequence is so amazing. Um, yeah, I, it, it's one of the most badass things on film. Um, yeah, it's really great. It is a wonderful film. Yeah, Lethal Weapon, real good. Yep. Zach, real, number real five? Good. My number five was Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, I'm a passionate Mel Brooks fan, um, and uh, this was the first movie of his I ever saw um, when mm. I was, shit, eight. Because I'd been mine, yeah, too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah mine it, too. It was, it was, and it was, the e- it was the most accessible because at that time I was, like, just getting into Star Wars, um, like, two years before, like, so when I was six, so, like, eight years old like it's the perfect age where you're like you can get most of the humor and then as you get older like some of the dialogue actually ends up being a lot more clever and a lot more um like specifically designed for like as you as you progress through life it's um, the least like sexual of his films so like it, it was one that like my parents were more willing to let me watch I then. think that's actually true because, like, it means. Oh, just th- oh you, thanks. Just, oh, just, thanks. Just, oh, yeah. Great. No, I was right. trying to think about that, though, because you're, you're right. Because, like, even to the point where Joan Rivers' character has a virgin alarm that's programmed to go off before he does. Yeah. So much. I love that line. Right. Um, I, there's so many lines in that movie, but I do. I think my favorite line in the film has to be uh, when they find out about the cancellation button um, uh, during the self destruct sequence of the, uh, of the giant vacuum lady. And they all come down at the same time. And they open the door for it, and it says out of order. And uh, Rick Moranis goes, fuck, even in the future, nothing works. <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs? Oh, shit, there goes the planet. <laughs> and also, like, it took me a long time before I found out, like, that Prince Valium was a reference to something. <laughs> but I love that. It was like, uh, we all know Prince Valium is a pill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Spaceballs, I love it. I love cool. my Mel Brooks. Brad? Hail Scroop. Uh, for my number five. Yes, five. We have to go over the top. What are the odds on Lincoln Hawks? Twenty to one, pal. With a long shot. Hawks. Let's go. The world meets nobody halfway. Remember that. I don't have a father, sir. The world has always bet against Lincoln Hawks. This guy's nothing. Why'd you leave us? It won't happen again. What my grandson found, I don't care how you do it, do it. But a winner never listens to the odds. Whatever happens, I want you to stay with him. Where'd we end up? Together is all I can guarantee. You ain't got a prayer in Vegas. You never had anything, so you have nothing to lose. All I want to do is hurt him, cripple him, get him off the table. All I care about is you. You're my boy, you understand? The world beats nobody halfway. Now is the time to do for yourself. I want you. Over the top, Dad, over the top. Come on! 
Sylvester Stallone over the top. Oh, wow. Yes. Did the winner take it all, Brad? Winner takes it all. I almost yeah. put this on my list, but I knew you would. So I, I knew I could sneak something else in there. I wish you could actually put it on your list, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was between that and Hellraiser, and I chose Hellraiser. Yeah, that's, that's I cool. wish you would have chose over the top. <laughs> um, it's it's fun. Um, the like, it's a uh, over the top. Is Stallone is the absentee dad. Uh, the the kid's mom is. I don't think they actually say like what she has, but she's dying, and uh, so she passes care of this kid over to him, and uh, he finally takes responsibility for him. And um, the whole time, uh, the grandfather on her side of the family doesn't want his grandson associating with Sylvester Stallone, who's a truck driver, and uh, you know he does arm wrestling on the side to uh, you know win a little extra cash here and there, and like it's a road trip where he's trying to bond with his kid and. Uh, the kid's kind of annoying. <laughs> but, but I think it's one of Stallone's best performances. Oh, yeah. He's... Uh, he's, and when he turns his hat backwards, oh, it's, it <laughs> it's is on. on. Like he looks Donkey like Kong. the most roided out pizza boy ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like he puts in a great performance that, like, you really, like, brings, like gets you sucked into this journey. Um, it is among the better Golan Globus movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, it's a canon film, which it's, it's probably, it might be the, well, Bloodsport. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's like one of the best of the canon films. No, like, I love too when he's you know walking to arm wrestle the guy and like the intensity in Stallone. I think it's really good. Yeah, and then when he like confronts Robert Loggia like up in the mm-hmm. penthouse and like throws that guy through the hell yeah the the French doors and it's like you know I don't need your I'm not gonna let you buy off my son. Yeah, yeah. Half halfway through your your review, I had this out of body experience when I was like, we were actually talking about over the top. Holy shit, this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it before. No, I just I looked at it on the list before this, and I was like, "Well, it, too bad we won't get to talk about over the top. That movie's ridiculous." Oh, yeah, no, this is great. Good yeah, fun. cool. So. Good pick, James, Henry, oh, okay. Henry. Um, uh, I told you, I win. <laughs> uh, Why well, I apologize? Because I guess I guess I don't know if I'll sweep any legs, but I assumed that this would be higher on someone else's list. Uh, so I apologize if this is sweet, but uh, my number five is, in my opinion, one of the best romantic comedies ever made, and my number five is Raising Arizona. Son, you got a panty on your head. Just drive fast, eh? Turn to the right! The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But (laughs) biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hide. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're going to go pick up Daddy. 
I'll be taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. You busted out of jail. We released Trashaz on our own recognizance. What Double here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <gasps> we got a job now. Everything's changed. Where's Junior? <laughs> Who the hell are you? I'm a fan. We're absolutely going to get him back. Just ain't no question about that. Give me that baby, you warthog from hell! And you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. Let's go get Nathan Jr. Raising Arizona. A comedy beyond belief. Well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. Dodge the bullet right there. Never seen mm. it. He did. Oh, sweep, really? He did sweep a leg. Okay, but good. Not by much. Raising Arizona is really good. Yeah, it's not my favorite cone, obviously, but yeah. uh, it's definitely like it's. I think it was like their third or fourth. Yeah, cone. True Grit's yeah. everyone's favorite. <laughs> yeah, um, that movie's amazing. <laughs> oh, it is. It is great. an amazing film. Yeah, they haven't uh, made a bad movie yet, guys. Well, well, um, Intolerable Culture is pretty not good. Oh, you're you're wrong, but okay. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Raising Arizona. Fight it's me, uh, it's good. It's I mean, it's like. One of the earlier Nicolas Cage performances as well. Before he's crazy. This yeah. is the same year he does Moonstruck, too, so it's kind of like a big year for him. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, in general, just a great film. Uh, mm-hmm. It's I mean, the fact that like the Crumb Brothers made a film then that was really good and are making films now that are really good kind of shows how good they are. Take that, Woody Allen. Yeah, who never made a good film. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. What's up, Tiger Lily? <laughs> oh, my God. Anybody? Oh, we might be talking about that man in a little while. That's too bad. We shouldn't. We shouldn't talk about that man a little bit. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much. I mean, it's, the film speaks for itself. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's genuinely one of the best romantic comedies ever made. And so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, they, there's just, that scene where they steal diapers. It's great. Yeah, and it's amazing. There's a shootout. <laughs> yeah. Turn to the right. Turn oh, to God. the right. <laughs> just, I don't know. It's just great. So, yep. I, don't, I don't know if there's anything else I need to say about it. He doesn't deserve it. should you. see it. <laughs> yeah. If I haven't already. But you haven't seen it yet, have you? You should. It's good. I've heard <laughs> a lot about it. It's been Nicholas referenced Cage on a couple podcasts Hunter, a lot. Kid a baby. It's, like a, it's, a, it just a f- it's not like a Coen Brothers that you're going to have to pay attention to. I heard it has like a long opening before you even get to the, the title credits. It's a long, amazing opening. I call it long though it just kind of like it's a very intricate introduction think a comedy version of the opening to uh jesse james or the assassination of jesse james i haven't seen that either oh gosh. Oh, oh you mean by the cover of yeah, yeah. What's going on here? um yeah that's it, the guy just, that like, done did it <laughs> it kind of sets up the film kind of it's a long thing but they do it kind of quickly but it's also like once you get past that it's not like if you miss that you're done so i don't know I, I love sometimes when I do that. I think the oh, remake yeah. of Friday the 13th has like one of the coolest openings ever. And they don't show the title card, I think, until 32 minutes into the movie. I love a good late title card. No, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, what I hear from all the time is The Departed. And they, don't show, they don't start the opening credits until, I think, 27 minutes in. Yeah. So. Her womb was a barren desert where my seed would find no purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Raising Arizona. That's my number five. <laughs> James? Uh, yeah. Uh, my number five is a repeat. Um, it's... Arguably one of the greatest films of 1987. No, uh, this is a, this is the movie on here that if I had seen this when I was a kid, uh, it would have been in that canon. It would have been one of those movies that we quoted all the time, and 
that I just loved forever. Uh, but for some reason, like, I don't know what it is that my, my parents just never found it. Um, until Ryan told me to watch it a couple of years ago. Uh, my number five is the monster squad. So yeah, yeah. it's only one higher than Zach, but fuck you, Zach. Uh, Whatever. We, we didn't we didn't mention the dude who plays Dracula is great in it too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he is really good. Everything about that. Oh, oh um, he's just as suave as Bella in a weird way, but he's more malevolent. Uh, I think he's yeah, I think he's more malicious. Yeah. I just want to say Shane Black again. Mm-hmm. You just like that name a lot. Yeah, yeah he's he's showing up a lot in this episode. You should just call this episode Shane Black. Right. <laughs> he's in three. He's on my list three times. Mm-hmm. It's as pretty it good. Be. Pretty good. I mean, if we did 93, he'd be number one on my list. Last Action Hero fans. Yeah. Oh, that'd be pretty good. This is where the bad guys are. Huh? Yeah. It's a beautiful day out. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, my number five is a repeat, too. My number five is RoboCop. Cool. Ooh. That's uh, a good film. Yeah, we mentioned it. It's, uh, it's a fun movie. When, when I was younger, my dad would always let us pick whatever we wanted at Blockbuster or this little, like, mom and pop video place up the street. I'd always get RoboCop, Predator, um, pretty much any action movie. So if there's an 80s action movie, there's a chance I've seen it and I love it. Uh, I mean, I didn't put The Running Man in my top ten, but it was really close because uh, I think Schwarzenegger has a great line in that too. Where he's like, I was on my way to Hawaii, I had the perfect shirt, and you fucked it up. And uh, yeah, this... Running Man's actually pretty fun. No, it's a fun movie. Um, but RoboCop is just great. I, I love... The one thing I do love about Verhoeven is I think his movies are so over the top that they fit in this like weird, like different world, whether it's Starship Troopers, even Basic Instinct, you know, things that's just because I mean, in Robocop, Basic Instinct is so over sexualized and like would never happen. It's just great. And I, he's just a fun filmmaker. He's a very explicit Filmmaker. Yeah, and not, whether and it's, whether it's violence or sex, it's he doesn't care. Well, and I'm not even saying like in terms of the content. This is like explicit, meaning like he's just like he or blunt. Blunt is more mm. of what I'm trying to say. I think it's like he just he doesn't mince words. No, he's not known for subtlety at all. Um, no, so yeah, it's fun. And I always thought RoboCop was super cool. I love that his gun came out from his leg. Yeah, yep. I always uh, as it's not on my list, but has a special place in my heart. When I was a freshman in high school. I was assigned to, you were assigned to do a persuasive speech. And he said, my uh, teacher was a huge fan of documentaries. He said, you can source films if you want. And so I, my persuasive speech is why we should fund a RoboCop. And I cited <laughs> the first three RoboCop films. Nice. <laughs> Beautiful. What did you get in the assignment? Oh, I got like a B plus just for you like. three. Like, <laughs> like, with like, I got like a B plus because he was like, you know what? Fuck it, sure. <laughs> that was weird, but I'm along for the ride. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, the fuck you just said, said, little kid. You're special. <laughs> yep, that's my number five. Awesome. Cool. Number four, Zach? My number four is a repeat. It's Raising Arizona. Nice. Um, I it, I mean, I, I've expressed so many times how much I love the Coen brothers. Like That's the thing that me and my dad love the most together as the Coen brothers. Um. This one I didn't see until much later. Like, I mean, not, not like, it was like eight years ago, but like, it was like the later one that I ended up watching and it was at film school and I loved it. Like, I didn't realize it was this madcap comedy about kidnapping a baby. I like when I saw the cover every time, like 
prior to that, I was just like, oh, this is Nicolas Cage doing something stupid. And then you realize it's by the Coen brothers and it's that smart and that clever. I'm like, fuck, man, why haven't I been watching I know, this every for time Nick Cage is good at movies, like, oh, yeah, he is a good actor. Oh, he's a great actor. Why can't I just... he tone it down sometimes? <laughs> the peace, the peace. <laughs> um, it's like, I, I consider him to be a wild horse. If there's a director that can tame him, he's really good. Oh, yeah. But most people <laughs> don't know how to work with him. Yep. So, um, But yeah, I love it. And John Goodman's in the movie. It's one of the first times John Goodman ends up working with the Coen brothers. It would oh, not yeah. be the last, obviously. Um, and uh, Holly Hunter's great in this movie. Mm. Oh, she's so fucking... Like, she's she's so adorable. I love her character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's got a lot of the Coen regulars in it, too. So it's always fun to kind of like play Where's Waldo with them. But um, So yeah, Raising Arizona. I don't think I'd call it the best romantic comedy of all time. I would call it one of the best caper comedies of all time, though. Because it is ultimately about a kidnapping. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, so Raising Arizona. Brad? You, call, you want me to go? <laughs> As you wish, my number four oh, is The Princess Bride. Hey, mine too. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? I'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, how is the sickie? Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. Today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Wouldn't that be nice? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I won't always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. Oh, no. Is this a kissing book? No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery. Peril. And revenge. Prepare to die. Never go in against the Sicilians when death is on the line! (laughs) There were affairs of state. I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. And affairs of the heart. My Wesley will always come for me. Your Wesley is dead. I've seen worse. Bye bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. It's more than turning. What's the difference? We've got him. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye bye. It's a story of love, a tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. I'm kissing again. Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. Uh, two, two lines up. Yeah, no, great movie. Are you next? No, I was saying it's... No, it's uh, just also his number four. It's also my number four. Oh, okay. So you get around to... Yeah, um, it wasn't really like something I grew up liking, but like as, you know, as an adult, just like being able to pay attention to it more. It's like, it's just a really great example of storytelling. Oh yeah. Uh, within storytelling. Um, so it's, it, it's a classic. Like just, uh, it's, I think it's maybe one of the most cleverly written films. Yeah. Uh, there's so many little subtle jokes in it. Uh, I think Carrie Elways is amazing in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, because he goes from the, you know, tomboy to the dashing dread pirate Roberts. And I, it's, 
and his transformation is awesome where he's this, you know, really quiet guy. And then when you meet, uh, you know, the pirate, he's dashing and cocky and able to do all this stuff. And Manny Patinkin is great. Oh yeah. Uh, like giving it all the like, uh, secondary characters, like great backstories. Oh and, yeah. Like, and just through stories, like everyone kind of gets their due, um, and payoff throughout the movie. Yeah, um, Cause it is kind of just like a set of like little, like, Vignettes, yeah, vignettes where he a lot of different stories that kind of cross yeah. paths and uh, and he said build to, to blade, which thing. we all know means uh, means to bluff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more intricate than I think it has the right to be at times. Oh yeah, and, and the what isn't in the book, but the overarching story of the grandfather telling the son this, you know, reading him the story mm-hmm. is just amazing. And every time I watch the movie, and every time it ends, and he says, "Grandpa, will you come back and read that story to me again tomorrow?" says as you wish i'm like oh <laughs> gets me every time um because so peter falk is just amazing in it um, yeah and andre the giant is great everybody's so good in the movie just the cast is just this is the film that was gonna be like my number seven but i decided not to put it there because mm-hmm. it, it's this film is one of those things where like if you're gonna put it in a top 10 it either should be in a top five or it shouldn't be there at all yeah and so that's why i decided to just not put it in but it's just it just i don't know it's one of those ones that like my parents forced me to watch and i'm like Fine, it's good. Whatever. And yeah. So, like, well, I keep on trying to get my wife to watch it, and she refuses to watch really? it. Yeah, because wow. she doesn't like the book, and the book's great. But I don't know why I put it on the other night, and I and Kellen sat down and watched it with me, and but she wouldn't do it. Yeah, and I mean, I just love the. Uh, I mean, Brad, but like, I just love the uh, like the cleverness behind it. I I mean, I when he's talking to Buttercup when they're going through uh, the forest and. He says, well, we've already seen the lightning quicksand. And she says, well, what about the RUSS? Rose of the Eagle size? I don't, I don't think they, they exist. <laughs> and then he gets totally creamed by one. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Sarandon's great as, you know, Humperdinck. Um, man, just everything in that movie works so well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That film always seemed to me to be a little bit inconceivable. <laughs> You're the worst. Yes. But, uh, I that, love Wallace Shawn in that movie. Oh, I, I will say, like, that is so my good. favorite scene in that movie is Wallace Shawn with poison. <laughs> oh, yeah, when it's he gets... so fucking funny. It's poison. He's like, you lose. You only think I lost. <laughs> That's what's so funny! <laughs> I switch glasses when you weren't looking! He's, he's one of those actors that, like, I, I, I like, jump for joy when I see him in yeah. anything. He's like, uh, there's only two things you can bet on. Never start a land war in Asia and never bet against death with a Sicilian. Wait, no, never. <laughs> with a Sicilian. Yeah, what, how's it go? Never, never bet against. Um, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, when death is on the yeah. line. When death is on never the bet line. against a Sicilian. When, when death, when is, death on is on the line. Yes. <laughs> I think yours was poison all along. Actually, I developed a immunity to King Powder. <laughs> and, and, and you know, Andre the Giant is actually really good. Oh, he's amazing. He's really good in the movie. Yeah. I mean, everything with Andre the Giant is amazing. He was just a special person. So. He was. He didn't make my list, but like, I do like the movie a lot. So. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. James, four? Yeah. Uh, my number oh, okay. four is... Oh, okay. I always do that. <laughs> Henry, four. I mean, mine's Hellraiser, so, I mean, we've already talked about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you like Hellraiser, Henry? I think, I'm, I mean... Because he likes to raise hell. I'm a fan of really demented shit. And also, I'm a fan of like really well done special effects and fi- like horror effects in film. So it's kind of perfect for me in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I think it just there's just something about the dimension and just like how disturbing it, and how it doesn't ever hold back. Mm-hmm. Like you like there's some horror films that I feel like 
you're doing a lot, but I feel like you want to do more, but you're just, you're, you just know you shouldn't. Where this film's like, nah, fuck it. We're going to shove a hook through someone's face for and, this film. Like, and it's one of the few films, Clive too, in a nutshell. <laughs> where, yeah, the, the Cenobites are bad people, but they're really punishing the bad people. No, yeah. Like, they're really just killing people that are jerks, too. Yeah. Because that one... It's the most Christian film released this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's them punishing sinners. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> yeah, it gives one those hooks rip that dude till he explodes, oh, you know. I bet you didn't see that coming, church. <laughs> it's, that, like, it's one of those ones where, like, I mean, I would say that in today's day and age, this would be a good one to remake. Mm. But I know that if, one, they did try to remake it, it didn't work out. And two, if they would, it, they would take away what made it special, I feel like. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but number five is directed by Scott Derrickson. Mm-hmm. And I think number five works really well because it was a script he made without uh, Pinhead in it. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he kind of retooled his script. And a lot of people don't, uh, Hellraiser fans don't like it because Pinhead's only in it for the last, I think, five or six minutes. I don't think I've seen that one, yeah. Because he's just, it's basically the same thing. So it's this cop who's corrupt. Mm-hmm. And he keeps on reliving the same day over and over again, and that's his punishment. Yeah. And you don't realize till the end, and then you know Pinhead comes out. He's like, "Your, your sin is you're a horrible person, so you're going to relive this day over and over and over." Yeah, and it's kind of a cool moral. It's like Groundhog Day, but with sin. Yeah, with <laughs> yeah, with you know. Pinhead. I do think if you're a horror fan, you should definitely check out the first two at least. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, Hell on Earth is pretty great too. Yeah, if you like special effects. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that part where he's like Ooh. killing people in the yeah. bar. <laughs> that's pretty great. Uh. And then I think the remake, Revelations, came out like two years ago. Something, something like, that. like that. And it's one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Oh, I've, so it's, I've, well, it's Hellraiser, but it's a found footage film. Bleh. It just doesn't make what? sense. Yeah. But anyway, that, I'm number four is my Hellraiser. So. Nice. He's a guy with a bunch of pins, and there's a GoPro on the end of every pin. <laughs> <laughs> James? Uh, so, uh, my number... Wait, we're number four, right? Yes. Yes, okay. My number four is um, not not my favorite John Hughes movie, God but the best John Hughes film. Uh, my number four is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get <laughs> Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. <laughs> Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, they're the family. Paramount Pictures presents Wilma! Steve Martin. You ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see Don Ho while you were there? See the second show, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Plane, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hello game, hello game. See, I read it that way because the Oxford comma is missing. So this movie's title is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, <laughs> Those yeah. aren't pillows, James. Oh, gosh. This, this movie exemplifies everything that was amazing about John Hughes. Um, and it's such a beautifully written film that I 
don't think I fully appreciated when I was younger, and then, like, it's one that has aged with me that now, like, you know, when you're younger, yeah, the fun parts are like, oh, man, remember when they wake up and he's got his hand in his butt? And you're like, bah, that was great. And then you get older and you're like, hey, remember, like, when you figure out what's actually going on with John Candy? Oh, and, that monologue like, is we so all, We all yeah. just realize that we love John Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like, that is uh, one of the funniest scenes, I think, ever in movies is when he can't get the rental car. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. I've... It's amazing. Oh, I that, still, I that still scene, love the mess around stuff. Because if you removed that scene, it'd be a PG-13 film. Oh, yeah. yeah. But John Hughes said, no, we're keeping it in. <laughs> right. We're going to make it rated R. Because he, yeah, I mean, that, that scene is so, like, genuine and realistic and is the yeah. way you feel. And, you know, it. Part That's of why I wanted to say to Best Buy. Yeah, I mean, part of, part of what's great about this movie is that he's ballsy enough to actually make you kind of, like, you both understand where Steve Martin is coming from and also kind of think he's an asshole through most of the movie. Yeah. But he doesn't, you know, this isn't this isn't Rain Man where the point of the film is that he's an asshole. Like, he's in a position that is really frustrating and it's, it's what most people are like. And the whole point of this film is that, like, even on those really bad days when you're in a position like that, if you can open up and actually, like, connect with the people around you, you will be much better for it and realize that, like, your, your petty shit of man, I'd really like to get home for dinner on Thanksgiving, in the grand scheme of things, is not actually that bad. Uh, that that lesson is the thing that <laughs> that made John Hughes so special, um, and especially here, is so beautifully done. Because it, this is a movie that you will remember forever because it's so funny and you like watching it and you're enjoying it, and he's he's feeding you the medicine along with it and you don't realize quite you know what it means until, mm-hmm. man, you, you get to that end and he hits you and you're like, oh shit! God damn it, John Hughes, man. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It is, in my opinion, his finest work. Not my favorite, just his finest. Your favorite? Uh, she's having a baby, right? No, my favorite is is Uncle Buck. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is my favorite comedy of all time. Uh, Fair. It's my second. It's my number two on this list. Oh man. Um, it. Uh, I have a very special place in this in my heart for this film. Because yeah. my birthday is pretty much on Thanksgiving every year. Yeah. And my family always watches this film on Thanksgiving. Aww. So I associate this film with family and, like, with my birthday. And so yeah. I've seen this film 20 times, at least. <laughs> um, and it's just... I don't, it just... There's just something special about it. Mm-hmm. I think, And I think it's... It's the most... It's a very relatable comedy yeah. in a way that we don't want it to be. Yeah. And I think it's just a... I don't know. It's... <laughs> I think it's the best it's the best comedy of all time in my mind. And so I can watch this any day of the week and still laugh and still cry at the end. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But yeah. And John Candy. Man, he's just so lovely like funny in all the right ways and then man when he turns it on Yeah. And and once you two feel for him, he is so solid. Um I mean it's that's the the same reason why I love Uncle Buck. Yeah. You know. If if anything, the reason why I love Uncle Buck more and the reason why I cry at Uncle Buck more is just because of that last shot of him like turning and waving and I go, I miss you, John. Yeah. Um but yeah, I this this movie is near perfect. Yeah. I mean, genuinely so good. Um so yeah, that's my number four. Uh, we talked about my number four, the Princess Bride. Zach, number three. Uh my number three is Lethal Weapon. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um probably better around number six, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies that are that are you know it's it's equal to a lot of other movies. so yes. I, I can see how you you know you might get confused and put it higher. Um, no, uh, 
Lethal Weapon is, it's like, so amidst the growing up in high school, like with like the plethora of all these action films now being available on DVD at the time, not Blu-ray yet, but DVD, <coughs> um, you, uh, you, you have your choice of taking a stance, whether it's John McClane or Martin Riggs. And I chose a very clear stand of Martin Riggs when I was very young, and I still stand to it to this day. Um, I love this movie a lot. It is one of my favorite action movies. Kevin, that's enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zach, Zach whole... would you stop farting so much? I, yeah. <laughs> I, every time I talk about Lethal Weapon, guys, I just become flatulent. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a condition, I know. Um, no, uh, I, it's silent but lethal. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite. One, it's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. So that's um, part. Of, that's one part of it. Um, it's one of my favorite action movies of all time. <coughs> um, I think it's my favorite Mel Gibson performance. Um, only um, other than um, Road Warrior. Because um, I do like him in Road Warrior. Not necessarily the other two. But anyway, I, and it's the it's a character that I, I'm surprised works as well as it does for the mainstream. Because it ultimately, at the end of the day, is about a guy... Like he he's on suicide watch and like and yet he somehow makes the situation a lot more um, man man I guess manly is the word I'm looking for on this like where he's just like yeah he's suicidal but he's making it look like he's making crazy look so cool right now um, in a way like especially like I my favorite moment in that movie hands down is probably when the, with the jumper and he's just no, talking yeah. cool with the jumper and then he just fucking loses it. Grabs the guy by the collar and goes, "Do you want to jump? Do you really? Well, then that's fine with me. Let's do it, asshole. Let's do it." And then yeah. he just fucking jumps off the and they land in the balloon. And I love the the line. It's like kind of in the background because you're really focused on Glover at that moment. But the guy who jumped with him goes, "Like I'm gonna sue you. I'm gonna sue <laughs> you. <laughs> Get me away from him. He's crazy." <laughs> um, so good. But yeah, Lethal Weapon and I and oh my god, like I fucking like uh, the. Like like James was alluding to that street at, or that fight at the end, just, just it, there's no way it would ever happen, but it's just so badass, um, and it's shot beautifully. Like Richard Donner, like it, it's not my favorite Richard Donner film, but that's among the best things he's ever directed, in my opinion. So, so yeah, Lethal Weapon number three. Cool, good choice, Brett. My number three should get a whole lot more attention than it does. Because um, it's great and it's unconventional to put two really old people Aww. to lead a movie, um, but they do a great job of it, and it's it's got a heartbreaking twist in the at the end of it. Mm. Uh, my number three is Batteries Not Included. The residents of eight seventeen East Eighth Street are about to lose everything they have. What do you mean those tenants are still in there? Tonight, I'll have them out by tonight. Nothing in this world can save them. Nothing but a miracle. Steven Spielberg presents a Matthew Robbins film. Welcome to America. Spaceships from a very small planet. Very small. This is history. Machines that reproduce themselves. I like being a family again. What the hell is that? 
It's them, <laughs> the little guys. I don't know how you got here or why you picked us. Somebody's helping them. Somebody's bringing them together. Is that why you're here? Batteries not included. Starring Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy. Nicely done, sir. I was hoping we'd line up. It's my number two. <laughs> oh. But I genuinely thought, like, oh, man, Brent and I are going to have this, like, in the same place on our list. I'm, I'm glad it's that close. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, I thought man. you were actually going to sweep it, like, way earlier. Oh, hell no, man. I ain't talking. No, yeah. we're saving this shit for the end. No, no like, I wouldn't advocate for a remake of this, but, like, the special effects are good for their time. But, yeah. Um, what they could do today with what they did, um, it, it would be more appealing. Um. Yeah, I just don't know that you could remake it because if you don't have Jessica Tandy, I don't think this movie works. Yeah, I think like, you really need like a good, good lead couple, and yeah. I don't think there is one. Yeah, I off mean, the top of my head. Like, I've never you, seen this movie. You Can might, you sell, sell me oh, on it? Oh, uh, so um, Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy run a, a um, like a, a diner. Yeah, oh, they, yeah, yeah, they manage a building and they run a diner at the bottom of it in a in a sort of rundown part of New York. Of a town? Yeah, like, th- there's a montage at the beginning of, like, family photos, and, like, they moved yeah. to New York, they started the diner. It is New York, okay. Life was great. Yeah. But then the 80s happen, mm-hmm. and the oligarchy takes over, and they snuff out the neighborhood Yeah. for development. Well, yeah, I mean, they're basically all the buildings around... As the buildings of age, like, the buildings around them are getting bought up and turned into skyscrapers, mm-hmm. and... They're the last ones who hold out because this has been their home for forever. Yeah, they raised their family um, here. Yeah, and there's a couple tenants left that, like, they're also down and out. Yeah, and they're kind of holding on to that space. Oh yeah, and those people are so lovable. Yeah. You know, there's the there's like the the woman who's sort of a single, or she's she's pregnant, but she's going to be a single yeah. mom. There's Struggling the artist. artist. Yeah, yeah, there's the sort of silent weird guy. <laughs> anyway, we haven't gotten to the. The, the pitch of the movie and the reason why this is a Steven Spielberg You've movie. You've already pitched me so far as no, something it's, I want to watch. Right, it's adorable. So then um, space aliens show up, but those space aliens are Droid-ish. about a... Yeah, they're, they're about this... They're about a foot-wide, like, frisbee-shaped little flying saucers. Mm-hmm. And so each flying saucer is the being, okay. right? And there's, like, guy ones and girl ones, and they've, they've basically come to have a family in this old house. Um, so there's of course a parallel of like they live off these of people energy. Who, mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they come to like they plug into the wall outlet of the building. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and they're they're there to sort of to sort of breed, and there's this whole, you know, um, you know, you have this older couple who, yeah, th- this was their life, and this is where they raised their family, and and their their kids are not around anymore. Um, and there's a complicated reason why. Yeah, that, but I don't want to reveal because it it's probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, and but then there's also the company that's trying to drive everyone out of the neighborhood. Like yes. they're sending like street, they're hiring street thugs to go in and like harass the tenants and make them want to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then uh, Jessica Tandy has Alzheimer's, and so she confuses the, some of the people she sees. Yeah, that's that's the part where it gets real good, man. Yeah, I don't um, think that's a spoiler. It's kind of no. early on, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, but there's... Yeah, but it leads I to mean, something heartbreaking, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, there's these guys who are trying to, like, you know, harass them and, and uh, sabotage their life there to get them to finally just give up and sell the building off, um, which, of course, means that there's bad guys in the building while there's also space aliens that they're hiding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's this is a movie that I can't remember having not seen. Like I've watched this since before I can remember being a person. Um, so for me, like this is this this movie is special in in that sort of uh, you know like this this just exists. This is just a thing that didn't everyone always have batteries not included. Like um, I think the only reason it gets made is because Steven Spielberg is producer on it. Yeah. Like, if like this is the, this the sounds parts like of it are so film. unconventional. Like oh, yeah. sci-fi, two old leads. Um, this literally sounds like an independent um, film. <laughs> we're also, talking about batteries not included. <laughs> I didn't realize until right now this movie's written by Brad Bird. Oh yeah, oh, really? Brad, well, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, right. Shit. Um, yeah, or at least he's one of the writer. He's one of the five writers on the movie because uh, it's directed by Matthew Robbins, and so he's yeah. credited as well. But also I mean, has a poster by Drew Struzan. Oh yeah, I mean. Sheesh. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a cool movie. I will definitely have to check this out. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is a, in the top five of Hart Family canon films, mm. uh, as I continue to reference that. Um, yeah. Great pick, Brad. Yeah. It, this was the, the top, my top three were like so hard. To, oh, yeah. Like a rank. So, yes. yeah, they're really all at the top. But, yeah. That's it for three. Cool. Henry, what's your three? Uh, my number's going to do it. Don't uh, worry. Remember that time that I faked you up by almost putting La La Land as my number 10 film because I knew it was going to be in your guys' top three. Sure. My number three is uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh, so, yeah. I like it a lot. So. <laughs> Not much else to say about it, really? I mean, it's just... I, I, said, I said like pretty much what I wanted to when <laughs> Brad when made Brad it as number it 10. As, um, as, his, as his ringer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's uh. He re- just remember he put Ernest goes to camp above this. <laughs> <laughs> I, put er- I put everything above this. No. Oh, man. So yeah, Empire of the Sun is uh one of my favorite Spielberg films. Uh, it just uh, it's like like I said, I just think it's the perfect balance between his two types of films. Uh, I think it's I just when the ending happens, and uh, when Christian Bale is finally reunited with his family, it's just one of the most heartbreaking heartbreakingly heartwarming scenes I guess is a way to describe it uh, and it's just it's just I don't know it's it's a very powerful film and I think it's one that is not that is not talked about as often as I want it to be yeah so I, I will tell you that your talking about this movie is going to make me go buy the blu-ray and watch this movie again because I haven't seen it in I mean since whatever the first time I saw it was 15 years ago I mean I've um, not seen I did not see it until either either this year or last year was when I first saw, saw it for the first time and uh yeah and I remember like watching it because I was always like oh, I've seen the poster a lot but I don't really know I've never really known anything about this film I went in not knowing Christian Bale was the lead of this film <laughs> uh, and, I, and I've and I'm notoriously pretty hard on child actors uh but you are that's you know what I always tell people when they ask like hey how's Henry oh he's he's really hard on child actors well I did on this podcast tell Jacob Tremblay to go fuck himself for being in a room so that is um, true that did happen but uh Christian Bale my god was he a great child actor yeah there's a reason why he's still a great actor today and so but yeah I just I love this film it's definitely in my top 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 five definitely for Spielberg Uh, it's definitely not my favorite or I think his best but I think it's one that should not be overlooked. Yeah. So. Oh man, it's got a really cool book edition. Yeah, that's one I'm, I've always wanted to get, but it's like thirty-two bucks, and it's only nineteen right now. <sighs> Everyone, race to your phones. It's on Amazon. It is. It's on, <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon. I could, I could well, do it right now. Maybe if I get my first paycheck, I'll I'm get just it. gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit on it and watch. Okay. But yeah, Empire of the Sun. That's my number cool. three. 
James? Uh, my number three is uh, is The Untouchables. I grew up in a tough neighborhood. Sometimes reputation follows you. Robert De Niro is Al Capone. There is violence in Chicago, of course, but not by me and not by anybody I employ. And I'll tell you why, because it's not good business. Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness. I have sworn to put this man away with any and all legal means at my disposal, and I will do so. Sean Connery is Jimmy Malone. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. You just joined the Treasury Department, son. Everybody knows where the booze is. The problem isn't finding it. Let's do some good! The problem is who wants to cross the pond. Somebody messes with me, I'm gonna mess with him. You carry a badge? Yes. Carry a gun. Get your hands in the air! You're all under arrest! You fellas are untouchable. Is that the thing no one can get to you? Hey, everybody can be gotten to. All right, then. Drive him to the station. Anything happens, you shoot first. You understand me? Well, I'll tell you one more thing. You got an all-out price fight, you wait till the fight's over, one guy's left standing, and that's how you know who won. Just tell me, are you being careful? Careful as mice. I want to hurt the man, Malone. I want to start taking the battle to him. I want to hurt Capone. This man can finger Al Capone. This man can put Capone behind bars. Well, what's the matter? Can't you talk with a gun in your mouth? You're not to prove your methods. Yeah? Well, you're not from Chicago. I want you to find this Nancy boy, Elliot Ness. I want him dead. I want his family dead. Pictures presents a Brian De Palma film. I have forsworn myself. I have broken every law I swore to defend. I have become what I beheld, and I am content that I have done right. You got nothing, nothing, and if you were a man, you would have done it now. Never stop fighting till the fight is done. The Untouchables. I thought I thought there was going to be something there, and I was like, "No, nah, it's just the Untouchables." Yeah, this movie deserves to be number one. Um, yeah, except for the two movies above it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, one one of my favorites. One, like I said, one of the few things on this list that I didn't just grow up with. Um, I think the the story of Elliot Ness here, and how well directed and written this movie is, and how many unbelievably great monologues are in this film, uh, plus the entire climax of this film is just one of the coolest action scenes uh not as badass as the end of lethal weapon uh but just beautifully shot um one of those things that like you know people are going to reference and and pay homage to forever um and probably my favorite brian de palma i would say yeah probably not that high Um, yeah yeah it's that or mission impossible right like what Um, else is yeah yeah, no, he's made some other really good ones. Has he? Now that I'm looking at it, blowout's pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Hey, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Carrie's really mm-hmm. good too. Yeah, but are any of them the Untouchables? 
care would be better if the shower scene in the beginning was with men. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, you want right. men throwing tampons at another man, or... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, did I say the quiet part out loud and the loud part quiet? <laughs> Brian De Palma's gay carry. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Sean Connery is unbelievably good in this film. Like, so good. Yep. Uh, well, this is one of those I can watch pretty much anytime. So, yeah, The Untouchables. It's amazing. Like, go see The Untouchables. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you listening we'll to We'll talk about it again yeah. here in a little bit. Yeah, but not because it's the best. Uh, my number three You're is a, a repeat. <laughs> like, all my top three are. Oh. Um, is Predator. Oh, shoot. I, I love Predator. Three. Wow. Yeah. yeah uh, it's just, uh, it's a fun movie. Like I said, it's my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Cool. But again, when I say favorite Schwarzenegger movie, it might also depend on the day. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I, I know it's a lot of people. I love Last Action Hero. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and Terminator 2. And I like the first Terminator. Last Action Hero. Right, Terminator Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> um, Last Rise Action Hero probably has to be my favorite. Like, now that we've thought about it, we. Well, now that I've sat here thinking about it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, Last Action Hero is one that's aged the best. Yes. Um, but no, I I love Predator. I, I love obviously I love gory movies. Uh, I love Schwarzenegger movies, and uh, the mystery behind it's really cool. Uh, the creature design's awesome. We've already talked about it. Yeah, and Schwarzenegger is really great in it. Yep, my cool. number three, Zach. Number two. Cool. My number two um, is a film that means a lot to me because my grandfather uh, introduced it to me when I was very young. Um, but I will point out that for after the trailer is played, there will be a minute long uh, availability of space where Ryan and Henry can shit on me. Mm-hmm. My number two film is Radio Days. Oh, Sydney, this is our first date together. Ah, uh, B, you know how I feel about you. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The landing of hundreds of unidentified spacecraft has now been officially confirmed as a full-scale invasion of the Earth by Martians. Now, I love old radio stories, and I know a million of them. I've collected them down through the years, like a hobby. Anecdotes and gossip and inside stories about the stars. Plus, I recall so many personal experiences from when I grew up and listened to one show after another. This girl singing used to be a favorite of my house, one of many. Now it's all gone, except for the memories. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and less to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. This is Irene Draper and Roger Daly saying, If you love me, you'd leave your wife and marry me. I can't do that. Our ratings are too high. Lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. I, I can keep a secret. I know everything about everybody on Broadway. But what do you do? She sings, Mama. I don't wanna. Every time I hear that song, my memory goes back to Leonard. That was our song. Leonard? Guess my tune! Clark Gable was in town this week, and where did he go? To El Morocco. How come you never take me to the Copacabana, El Morocco? Take the gas pipe. There are those who drink champagne at nightclubs, and us who listen to them drink champagne on the radio. 
I never forgotten any of those people or any of the voices we used to hear on the radio. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for another adventure of the Masked Avenger when he flies over the city rooftop and we all hear his cry. Beware, evildoers, wherever you are. Radio Days is a movie directed by Woody Allen. Hey, wait a second. We have a we have a minute. Um, (laughs) I was gonna say Radio Days is a movie directed by Woody Allen. When I looked (laughs) when I looked up like the film from this year, I've not seen this film. Yeah. But I saw like, oh look, there's a film with radio in the title. I can't wait for this to be in the top five for Zach. (laughs) How do you feel about the movie Radio? Shut up. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely curious. It's what not Radio Land Murders. <laughs> Radio Land Murders is good. Um, I mean, you still got another 30 seconds. Now's your chance to make a Woody Allen joke at some point. <laughs> uh, you, know? you put a bunch of good movies below this. Go ahead. Uh, um, so Radio Days is... Um, it's. It's it, it's not hard to describe. It's just like you've got to be a little specific about it. So it's an autobiographical uh, account of Woody Allen's childhood... To a degree, but it's not like it's not like a solely like the characters' names aren't like this is Woody Allen age five or whatever. So it's like semi autobiographical, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But it's all about how he grew up and how the radio was a very influential tool around his upbringing. Um, but it also incorporates stories about these radio stars that he constructs out of conglomerations of many different personalities from the era. Um, there's one about a gossip columnist. There's one about this woman who had a shrill, terrible voice and learned how to overcome her voice issues um, with proper speech. And that's right. Um, and there's another one about an older man who loves young Asian women. No, that was the sequel. Radio. Day. That was the sequel. Oh. Television days. Um, no. Uh, I gave you a full minute, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know. I waited until I... you gave me an opportunity to say how much of a creepo Woody Allen is. So, like, the the reason why I love this film, and I actually would put it as my favorite Woody Allen film of all time, is not because, necessarily, of Woody's involvement in the film. Although, his writing, I will say, in this film, is, like, it's it's tailor-made to me, but at the same time, it's, it's... The things he's saying about this subject are probably the most mature I had seen up until a Prairie Home Companion had come out. Um, because it is at the end of the day, radio is like a is a is an art form that is no longer what it used to be. Like it still exists. Like we still have radio. We have fucking podcasting for God's sakes. But what it what it was will never come back. Um and yeah, have you it, listened to Dingo and the Baby? It's pretty good. <laughs> Dingo and the baby <laughs> Um so like and there's there's multiple things throughout the film like this is another Wall of Shawn movie this year is that he plays the guy who plays a shadow type character called the Masked Avenger um uh and you you're you're surprised to find out that the Masked Avenger is some short balding guy it's 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 a nice little jab at radio actors you must have stole it from the Dick Van Dyke show mm-hmm. maybe. You won't let me win. Oh, um, wait, no. I'm thinking Wayne's Roll 2. Man, Rob Reiner made a great movie in 1987. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so... Um, but handsome, Dan. I think, I think that above all, like, there, there's there's a lot in this film to, like, to kind of, like, be be happy with in terms of how he weaves the stories together. Um, but the final scene in the film, which is, like, honestly the one that brings me to tears, 
um, is like it's uh, all the actors are ringing in the new year of 1945, and that's about the point when like radio is at its peak, and it's like never going to get any bigger than that. Um, and then like it, he has this speech that he wrote at the end of it about I'll never forget the voices. Um, or I'll never forget the uh, the people I spent with in that uh, the time I spent with the people in that house when I was a kid, and I'll never forget those voices I used to hear on the radio. Although to tell you the truth, with each passing year, those voices seem to become dimmer and dimmer, and it just fucking it breaks me down to a fucking like a child crying. So um, I know that obviously Woody Allen has a very very contentious history <laughs> on not just this podcast but with a lot of America. Um, which is why he doesn't make movies in New York anymore. Um, oh, he does. Not as much as he does in Europe. Well, yeah. But... Um, so, uh, but I think that of all the films that he's done, this is the one that I feel like I connect with the most out of all of them. And that's like, that's like, it's a list of three really, really three or four films that I actually like of his, like enough to call like truly classics. And then the rest of them are like hit and miss. So, but yeah. Radio Days, it's a good movie. I recommend you check it out regardless of the artist. Uh, Woody Allen, whose life motto is thank God for Owen Polanski. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! I pour my heart into something, and it's just... At the end of the day, I can't win. No, that was awesome. It was a good. That was a Henry. Great... That's the best thing you've ever said. Oh, thank you. I'm glad oh. that it's trashing both Ron Polanski and Woody Allen. Yep. So oh, that, that's that perfect. Next movie. So good. I will. <laughs> Copyright. Man. <laughs> good job. But yeah, cool. In spite of him, maybe check it out. It's a good movie, and it's only like an hour and twenty eight minutes. So Woody Allen has really made short. some good films, but much like Ron Polanski, I struggle to watch them. So. <laughs> yeah, Brad. Uh, my number two is another repeat, but it's awesome. It's RoboCop, nice. and I start, got into it for the ultraviolence and the cyborg, and later on, through subsequent viewings, uh, ate up the satire, and it's brilliant. So, Happy RoboCop. Oh, yeah. Cool. Nice. It's a good one. Has that been on everybody's list? No, nope. uh, not mine. Not yours. Yeah. Or mine. Three, three I think we're the only cool people here, apparently. I, think, I guess so. Uh, Henry? All right. Uh, my number two is Planters and Bills, So I talked about this extensively yeah. when you did it. So yeah. Nice. My apologies. It's okay. I, I thought it was in about, the top five, so it's okay. I thought about making an argument for number one, and I didn't. I forgive you. You should. <laughs> James, uh, number two? My number two is, uh, is a repeat. It's uh, Batteries Not Included. Sorry, sorry. Asterisk. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, asterisk. asterisk Batteries Not Included. Disney's on. Marvel's batteries not included. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. No, right. I I talked extensively about it when we did batteries not included because uh, I was happy with the fact that Brad put it at three. That was good. Uh, my number two is a repeat two is the Evil Dead two. Uh, oh, whoa! Because it, it, it two. <laughs> you know, it really grinds buttons. my gears when people think that's <laughs> the subtitle to the movie. I know that's uh, why I said it. Um, <laughs> why do people think that? It's the tagline. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I love I love the mix of horror and comedy. Like I said, it's really the movie that where Sam Raimi is Sam Raimi, where he's given a budget. I mean, it's still a small budget, but he's able to kind of have fun. Um, Bruce Campbell is amazing in it, and just it, it, 
I mean, it's over the top. I, I, I laugh every time I watch it, no matter how many times the little, like, balloon sound effect goes when he cuts off the demon's head. It's like, <laughs> I still think it's really funny. Um, when he's, you know, I'll swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul. Swallow this. And he shoots and blows up the head. <laughs> <laughs> I I wow. always feel like Bruce Campbell's the ba- the coolest person to to yell out no in a prolonged way, and it's definitely the examples I have are Evil Dead Two and the original ending of Army of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just uh, it's just really fun, you know. It's uh, it's uh, again movies I identify with because I like horror and I like comedy, and when they're <laughs> when they're able to pull it off really well, is <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. Kellen, you're adorable. I know. I don't know why Brad is so terrified or so annoyed with my kid. He's like, hi, Brad. How are you? As soon as and Brad's Br- like, ugh. ugh. <laughs> as soon as Brad gets the camera out, Kellen runs over and goes, smile. Nice camera. Well, he um, took your chair, so now well, he's new Brad. he's like, oh, there's stuff going on. He'd be part of it. Well, he is three. I'm not your dad. I'm, I'm. So, ladies, if you're listening, Brad really loves children. Oh, oh man. Kellen, say, I'll swallow your soul. Yeah. That was fucking creepy as hell. Good job, yeah. Man. Evil Dead 2. Yep. Oh, cool. Um, Zach, your number one film? My number one film is the number one film of 1987. It is The Untouchables. Wrong. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, like... So, like, I, I, the, my one and two, I struggled with back and forth because at the end of the day, like, both of them mean a lot to me, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> Uh, radio days I already discussed. <laughs> He's three, Brad. He's not a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm not taking pictures with this camera. <laughs> he knows what a camera is. Did you finish Secret Life of Pets? He's like, hey, how about a picture? Just, just take his picture and then be like, hey, good job. He doesn't want to waste his digital space on my kid. Yeah, I have 64 gigs. I, gotta get <laughs> I don't think you made that fun enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to talk, but I'm also really entertained by this whole situation right now. All right. Um, no, so like, so the Untouchables is about some guy who can't be touched, right? He's an invisible man. It's a movie about the impoverished in India. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. The, no, no, The Untouchables is a story about a group of kids who do not like to be touched. This, this is the French film about the like guy in the wheelchair, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. The diving bell and the butterfly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was called The Untouchables. Quote yeah. the diving bell and the butterfly. Uh, no. So, like, like I said, I already spoke on why I put Radio Days where I put it, but Untouchables is like the is like the okay. the is to me it's like it's. It's kind of the precursor to everything I love because um, I'm a huge like I'm a huge like forty 30s and 40s fan like gangster fan like I love gangster movies um, I love um, uh, this kind of like spaghetti western violence like set in a motif like just uber violence like it's over yeah. the top um, yeah. I like the prohibition era like as a subject um, and uh, Brian De Palma in a weird way 
and like and this is like again this is a very debatable idea but he is there's a lot of connections you can make to him and event then to uh, eventually Quentin Tarantino in terms of how they structure their films. Oh sure. And this is a film that I saw after watching Quentin's films, um, when it, but I was still very young. But like it was structured like a Quentin film, so it was like very like appealing. But then as you look, peel back the layers of the film, like it's not just an over the top violent gangster movie. Like it's saying a lot about different different subjects like of the era like it doesn't confine itself to just prohibition like mm -hmm. and um i think that like uh, yeah connery is a really good part of it um but i also love andy garcia in the fucking movie oh um, yeah uh and um uh uh costner costner is really really good in the movie um i will say though that de niro is not the strongest link in that film no but not because of his performance. It's just that at the end of the day, he is playing Al Capone. And yeah. that conjures up a certain image in a lot of people's heads. But his version of Capone, while it's not accurate, it is highly entertaining. Yeah, the scene he, with the baseball bat is absolutely awesome. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I love that fucking scene. The reason why he can't be the, the most powerful part of the movie is because he's, like, scenery chewing a lot of the time. But that's um, what... That's his... That, but in a, that's in a, his No, that's I know, his on purpose. purpose oh, yeah. There. yeah. It makes that character a lot of fun in a way that, like, then when you go watch... Uh, oh, shoot. What was that movie where... Uh, gig, uh, gangster, gangster squad. Gangster when you squad, go compare right. it to Gangster Squad, and that, and you watch that scenery chewing, you're like, "This is terrible." Well, you know, like, here's well, a guy who knows how to chew scenery in a way that makes him really entertaining and fun as a cool villain mm. that you really want Kevin Costner to shoot. Right. Here comes Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn's finest moment. Yes. Uh, like when you watch that movie, as a director, like maybe we don't need that. Sean, well, no, they, Sean, that was great. Do it again. <laughs> Sean Penn's problem in Gangster Squad is that unlike Robert De Niro in The Untouchables, he's seen way too much. The fact that we don't get like more than maybe ten to fifteen minutes on screen with Al Capone is an asset to the film. And um, the fact that this film is actually based on a television series, a long-running one, or a very good one, but like the fact that De Palma was able to take a television series up the ante and make it entertaining and com com compress an entire like six or seven seasons into one movie is really something special um i i would say at the end of the day it's like it's almost like a it's pretty much like if i want to see quentin tarantino make a gangster movie i hope it's a lot like the untouchables um so and also it's it's, it's so quotable it's so fucking quotable like sean connery like there's like five different lines he gives that are just like instantly like can go on your fucking poster in your dorm room, man. The dog's name is Indiana. <laughs> wrong year, wrong film. Um, that's a Chicago night. dog. <laughs> I, I, I'm done. <laughs> you broke me. <laughs> they thought this Easter couldn't be t couldn't be broken. <laughs> we found a way to break him. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, like, and like the, what, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's, it's one of my favorite films to watch. Like it's, it's among like my top 50 of all time. I love the fuck out of this movie. Um, so yeah, the untouchables. And also, isn't it interesting that Brian De Palma amongst his best movies, two are TV adaptations. True. Yeah. yeah isn't that, yeah. I, I just like, it's, I don't think any other director can really kind of claim that. Uh, that I bet I'm I aware of, that. that I'm aware of. I was going to say. If I think about it for two seconds, I bet I can make you wrong. Well, maybe J.J. Abrams. 
Because he technically did Mission Impossible and Star Trek. There you go. Mm-hmm. Great. You're already wrong. Good job, Zach. <laughs> I'm always wrong. Isn't that the motto of this show? Other than... Well, That's not nice. Credit. I mean, at least J.J. Abrams, you can credit as making TV shows into movies. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, cool. Brad? Brad? Uh, my number one is Predator. All right, let's move on. Really? <laughs> 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 so going to get derailed. Was it really Predator? Oh, yeah. My number one is Predator. That movie wow. awesome. Fuck, wow, that's um, cool. Uh, I saw, I think I went, when I was seven for the first time. <laughs> Sounds about right for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, it's, it's great. It's incredibly violent. It's got a... How much of the Contra War did you understand at seven? Zero. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seven, matter. All I cared about was the predator jumping out of trees and killing people. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, like, and as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was like, this political subplot. <laughs> Man, I may go watch <laughs> Predator. We're having some fun tonight. <laughs> <laughs> some fun tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ain't got time to bleed. Dude, when he shoots him in the head, that's so fucking gory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blood literally runs down the lens of the camera. Yeah, it sprays on the lens, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm probably going to go watch Predator. After this. Stuff. You probably should. Yeah, yeah, and then the Predator's like, you know, <coughs> bored with all the other people he's killed throughout the movie, and then he finally like meets up with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and, and the, they throw down, and he's... Like I don't even need guns for this. I want to like fight him with my fist and like takes off his mask and throws off his armor and his like little laser gun. He's like goes all feral. Yeah, and yeah. we haven't even talked about how great Alan Silvestri's score is too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like. Sure thing. You'll get it. Yeah. We can go home and watch it, buddy. Two more years. Oh man. That's funny. Um. Yeah. Predator is amazing. It's, yeah. Cool. Obviously the best movie of the year. <laughs> okay. It would be if it wasn't The Untouchables. Henry? Uh, my number one. Uh, I had a feeling that no one was going to sweep this film because this podcast notoriously doesn't really like this director. Uh, I don't like this director either. But this is the one film... Roman Polanski? Like, no. Oh, okay. uh, this is the one director who I... This is the one from, from this director that I genuinely love. Uh, my number one film is Full Metal Jacket. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. You will not like me, but the more you hate me, the more you will learn. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. Joker, I want you to get straight up to Fubai. Captain January will need all his people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! Anyone who runs is a VC. Anyone who stands still is a well-disciplined VC. God bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson. Stand down, mother. That's a direct order. Cowboy, fuck all you assholes! Read what is that button on your body armor? A peace symbol, sir. What is that you've got written on your helmet? Born to kill, sir. You write born to kill on your helmet and you wear a peace button. What is it supposed to mean? I don't know, sir. You know what really pisses me off about these people? What? 
We're supposed to be helping them and they shit all over us every chance they get. I'm here to take combat photos. But if the shit gets too thick, I mean, I'll go to the rifle. What do I think about America's involvement in the war? Well, I think we should win. I was wondering if this one was going to pop up. So I knew, like, I, I, I don't I think like, any of us are really super impressed by it. I love his work. Like, whereas pretty much any other movie podcast, this would probably come at some point. Uh, Strange Love is really good. Well, yeah, I think everyone has, like, one film that they like. A Clockwork Orange is pretty decent. I, I actually like his films, I, and I like this movie. Mm-hmm. I just like everything on my list. Oh, yeah. The void of it's, all emotion. <laughs> with me, it's like, I think Stanley Kubrick is one of those directors who I appreciate everything he's done. Yes. I think he's a very talented filmmaker, but I almost so none of it really connects with me. Yeah. yeah that's, I, I think just because with his work, a lot like Citizens Kane, mm-hmm. I think people overblow what he's done. Yeah. And, I mean, if... I think Full Metal Jacket's one of his best ones, too, but I hate people telling me The Shining's a great horror film, and it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, he's he's a meticulous filmmaker, and I think his the way he shoots is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, my dad loves this movie, and I've seen it countless times. It's, in my opinion, the best Vietnam War film ever made. Uh, in my opinion. I know there's, I mean, there's a lot of them, so like you can yeah. clearly have a different opinion, but... Uh, it's it just one of those that's like Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Bridge over the River Kwai. Uh, <laughs> not platoon. Um, it's not platoon. But anyway, uh, it's one. It's also one of those that like I know a lot of people don't like the second half of this film. Like they that is watch, actually my problem with that. Yeah, film. <laughs> they'll, they'll watch the first half and then be like, "Cool, I'm done." But I think yeah. the this, second half is what's important. Yeah, I agree. With very you. important. I 100 percent agree. Because like, like the film is about Joker's not understanding why the Vietnam War is a big deal and why it's so bad in the first half and then seeing why it's such a big deal and why it's so bad. Mm -hmm. Because the scene where he watches all of his friends die to one who, but from one person is really just a a hard scene to watch. Mm -hmm. And and just the idea of the thousand yard stare coming from this film and kind of being such a huge part of lexicon now. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's just a great film. And I think, I, I just think everything, Honestly, I'm someone who's in the exact opposite boat where I think the second... I would much rather watch the second half than watch the first half if it's, I had to watch a half. It's got one of the most haunting visual uh, uh, pieces of film uh, where they're singing the Mickey Mouse Club yeah. theme song while it's... Uh, it, or like the city's there. on fire. Yeah, the city's on fire and they're backlit and it's just like silhouettes and they're going like, M-I-C-K-E-Y. It's like, oh it's... God, this is like... The death of America, Americana here. <laughs> Not uh, America, Americana. I, just, I think it's really good. I think, like, of course, there's a lot of films about Viet- the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot from... I mean, I, I guess I could, there's only, like, two other films. I don't think it's going to be either of you guys' number one, but, like, Good Morning Vietnam was also this year. And, yeah. And Which is just, great. Yeah. And there's... And uh, Hotel Hanoi is also this year. And mm-hmm. there's just a, so many Vietnam War films. And yeah. just... Yeah, the mid-80s, late-80s were, like, rediscovering... Vietnam because it was we were far enough removed where we could yeah. go back and analyze it. Well, it was a, it was a time when a lot of people who were actually there were making right like platoon. Yeah. Platoon is special because it's directed by somebody who was there. Yeah. Um. Now read that as you will because of who it is, but um, but yeah, I mean there, 
I did a I did this I did a study on this in college, which is why. But um, and specifically on Vietnam and how there are, there are basically phases of Vietnam where you have or of of like war films that is all now sh- much shorter than it used to be. Of you have the movies that are happening during the fil- during the war, which are usually like propaganda, and then you have the film movies that happen right afterwards, which are reactionary and made by people who weren't there. And then you tend you tend to have a phase that's right around when the eighties happen of people who were actually there and have now become career filmmakers and are making the, and are telling their stories which now is very different because now you have those films where like because everyone has a camera those films happen all three of those things happen at, at the, the same, same time, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean the vietnam. 80s were very interested in that topic because you had people like yeah. oliver stone <laughs> vietnam had in 75 right yeah uh so it'd be like ten years. It's essentially, it's been yeah. ten years. Late seventy four, early seventy five, yeah. I think. Yeah. But but anyway, uh, I just think it's also the story of how uh, Matthew Modine got the role. I think is one of the best Hollywood stories. Have you guys heard this one? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, uh, he had he didn't know the film was happening during casting. Like he had no idea this was happening. And uh, originally, Val Kilmer was like was going to be the lead of the film. Oh. And he auditioned. and He was like, "Yeah, I got it." And then he heard someone told him this rumor that Matthew Modine got it and Matthew Modine had never heard of this film before and at a party uh, Val Kilmer went and knocked <laughs> Matthew Modine out for stealing the role from him oh snap and then the next day Matthew was like well I should probably audition for this film if like I'm gonna get knocked uh-huh. out for it. and then he got the role oh wow and so it's like they say like if Val Kilmer had not done that he would have gotten the role in the end so wow that's crazy yeah. Val went on to play Batman so. <laughs> don't don't punch people. Yeah. Is the last thing. But anyway, uh, Full Metal Jacket. That's my favorite. That's my favorite film this year. Wow, cool. Gave us Arlie Ermy for the first time. Nice pick. Way, to, way to pick one. Way to pick one that you knew we weren't going to spoil for you. Um, well, pretty much everything else in my top five was. So right. <laughs> I would have put the film on there, but I, I'm torn because, like, yes, the second half is the most important, but the most entertaining is the first half. So I'm like always mm-hmm. like divided. It's the most obvious. It's a good film. I mean, I think Kubrick is a good director. He was one of the last of the old Hollywood guard that actually moved beyond uh, that point. And this is definitely one of the strongest films he's made. Yeah. Cool. James? Uh, Yeah, so my number one is, I mean, obviously the best film of 1987. The Untouchables, isn't it? No, this is is the one that, like, I looked at this list, and honestly my first thought was, well, shit, this isn't going to be much fun. Like, because how do I make a list that, doesn't put the princess bride on number one like how do i do that uh so i didn't i mean that's what i like i had to do that um so yeah my number one is the princess bride um which is obvious because i it was it was actually really nice just sitting here watching you guys talk about it and it was it reminded me why this movie is my number one because it, it's the pinnacle of Yes, it's an instant classic. This is one of those films that as long as people have eyes, they will go back and talk about this movie because it is so perfect. Um, But to sit here and watch you guys talk about it and just not even be able to say anything about the movie because you just kept laughing and quoting different things and talking about all of these great scenes um, because the movie is so packed full of um, these amazing, memorable sequences and these characters that everyone loves, uh, and that you, you know, you, you tend to carry with you for the rest of forever. Um, and then, yeah, if this Probably movie just were some local fisherman out for a nightly sail in <laughs> ill infested waters, <laughs> <laughs> if, if this movie were just that as usual, this wouldn't be my number one. 
Um, but as Ryan said, you, you you have this underlying love story where you have not just the um, the fact that we have a main character who starts off being just love struck and simple and then has to become this other person and go through this whole life in order to get back to this person he loves. And, and also, I mean, the truth is the main character of this movie is Buttercup and she has to similarly go through all of these trials and figure out like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Because she's been terribly burned and, and I'll just sort of resigns herself to a life she's going to hate um, because she doesn't even believe that like her love will ever come back. Um, which is such a great story. And then, yeah, you have, you have Peter Falk at the end. And I mean, that's the moment where you realize that this whole film is this beautiful, fun, moving story that really just exists to find a bridge between a grandfather and a son where it's really hard for men to tell each other that they love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a kissing book? <laughs> oh, I mean, that whole mentality, when you really dig down to it, is is the heart of this film. And him finding a way to tell his grandson that he loves him um, is is just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I can never recommend this movie higher. Um, and it's Rob Reiner. Like, oh, man, so good. Like just everything about this is solid. It's 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 you know uh, William Goldman, and he's one of the greatest writers of film. Um, it, yeah, this this film is perfect, genuinely perfect. Uh, yeah, and Miracle Max, holy shit, Miracle mm. Max. That so <sighs> means you found out when he was saying "as you wish," he was actually saying "I love I you." Love you. <laughs> <sighs> Christopher As Guest, you wish. Christopher Guest is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, and a fucking asshole yep like here's this guy that you always love in almost every movie he's ever in and here he is just being a dick oh man so good go watch the princess bride should unless you're gonna watch this movie which is my number one movie which we've already talked about uh, is the monster squad to me i'm surprised Yeah. yeah i knew i was gonna piss you off i didn't know that like i felt terrible oh no it doesn't make me mad um more than predator more than Evil Dead 2. <laughs> yeah, it's just because to me, growing up at that time, it's like I discovered this movie and nobody else did. It's one of the like the cult first cult movies I remember watching. This is this that, is your batteries not included. Yeah, that nobody knew about. Yeah, you know, I to it's because I love the monsters. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love the as do I. Yeah, and I love the adventure of kids, and I love the comedy in it. But also, there's I mean, I love the there's some horror parts in that when yeah. when, when the Wolfman calls his dad and he says oh, he's gonna kill your son and he's turning into the wolf man and he's like ripping his skin off and spewing spit all over the phone booth and until i saw uh, american werewolf in london that i thought was the scariest werewolf transformation i'd yeah, ever seen it's, it's great it, and, it just, and it is too about a son and a father too because the parents are going through a divorce and it's it's just a, a really great movie and the, fa- the fact that it's as mature as it is is kind of surprising sometimes. Yeah, I can't re- tell you when I first saw it, but I do remember the the box art, and I always loved this movie. It's always been one of my favorite movies um, because it reminds me of being a kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. when I was in shop class, I wanted to make bullets. Of course, I couldn't do that. You know, like, They're melting silverware into bullets. Um, 
And I, I have told this story on the podcast before, but I, Andrew Gower plays the lead in it, and he came to the Alamo Draft House a few years ago. And when I was sat down, the people next to me just started talking and talking, like, don't they realize how great this movie is? And I said, and it's, it's also kind of rude when, like, you know, the lead actor is there and they're talking. And I started writing down for the people to be quiet. And I wrote it, put it up. Five little five foot tall waitress picks it up, looks at it. She gives me the thumbs up, then she just walks away. It's like ah, she's not going to do anything. And then they talk, and then like a fucking puma, she comes <laughs> from like the back, and she's like, "If you guys don't be quiet, you can leave." And these dudes just like sunk in their chair, and they're quiet the rest of the time. I'm like, yeah. yeah, because the Monster Squad is so clever, um, you know. And it deals with how you deal with bullies too. You know, Horace in it is you know called the fat kid. He's uh, like the, fat ass, and yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah, and the and the shitty kid from Pee Wee's Big Adventure is shitty to him in it, and I, I forgot he's in Pee Wee's Big <laughs> Adventure. The shitty kid from Pee Wee's Big Adventure yeah, is still being shit. shitty. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, he has like one of my favorite lines is uh, because he's like the child like superstar. Like, are you ready? I have been ready since first call. <laughs> uh, and, and I like that Rudy in it. Like he's the cool guy, but he still likes the, you know, the nerdy kids mm-hmm. and uh, little Phoebe with Frankenstein's monster is great. Is adorable. Uh, and then, you know, you touched on uh, the Holocaust survivor. Yeah. And he says, not all monsters are from not stories the, or something uh, like that. And not all monsters come from giant castles. And yeah. Stuff. I, I, I can't remember line, the book. I yeah. remember it. Um, um I, but like you know it's funny like the first time I saw that film I didn't believe it was a theatrical release I just thought it was something that people liked like I thought it was like a direct to video thing mm-hmm. I had no idea it was in theaters probably because it it only made like 4 or 5 million dollars Yeah you know? it, it was a big old flap for yeah, uh, for the company because too and now you know we talked it putting kids in peril whether it's the Goonies or this and this is more violent than the Goonies Oh way more <laughs> it, it's just they don't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I would even say it's more vulgar. <laughs> I mean, there's a part where, I mean, the Dracula and it's amazing. And he picks up that little girl by her face and he says, give me the amulet, you little bitch. And you're like, they would never do that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, he gets stabbed in the heart. <laughs> I think and and what really sucks is that we're kind of like uh, everyone else is seeing this now with the fact that the mummy flopped this year. But Monster Squad, to my mind, is the last time these monsters were ever scary. Oh, yeah. And it's like a great because salute it, it, to that. It, it treated them with respect. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to like treating them like disposable ATMs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Mm. It's a great film. How good would this have been if Richard Donner had directed it? But more than Fred Decker? I remember that being my weak point that's, to this. That's, that's like... That's, uh, that's dangerous thinking. I keep on... Because uh, if, if, I really if want, Goonies was, gone, was Monster Squad, oh, man. I, I'm really waiting for... Because they did have the 20th anniversary on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And I have the DVD. And then, James, you have the bare bones like Blu-ray. Yeah. So I'm hoping that eventually they're going to put it on Blu-ray with a bunch of special features. Hopefully for 30th anniversary. I have my fingers crossed that the Vestron series might put it out because they're a part of Lionsgate, mm. who owns the rights right now. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I love, I love this movie. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's not the best movie of the year, obviously, but for me, nostalgia wise, there's nothing better than it. No, um, it's one of the best movies you've recommended to me that I like missed. Like that was one where when you were like, "Oh no, you need to watch this." I was like, okay, and then I watched. it, I was like, "Holy shit!" And of course, uh, okay, <clears throat> Shane Black is really good. Yeah, 
That's what we've learned here. Welcome back to Shane Black is awesome. And I also love, too, that, you know, the Wolfman has to be killed with a silver bullet. And as a kid, you're always like, well, if we just blew him up. And in this movie, he gets blown up and he comes back together. Yeah. I think it's cool. It answers it's very good. important questions. Yeah, yeah, and the guys. special effects are great in it. Yeah. yeah. I always thought it was creepy when Dracula gets was like the half bat, half Dracula dude. And he's like lying in the warehouse. And he's like, Who played Dracula? <laughs> and I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. Turns oh, out something. Stan Winston is really cool. Who knew? This was a good year. Yeah. This is a really good year. Uh, so thanks for listening. I got um, some write-ins. Oh, yeah. We do have write-ins. Didn't we? Did we like... Is there anything we wanted to put on our list but didn't? Ernest goes to camp. I'll tell you right now, I I tried to find a place for Eddie Murphy's Raw. Fair. Uh, it's, I, but, but I, well, we Delirious did, is, I think, way better. I mean, well, that's that's like, that's preference thing. I love Raw. I think Raw is really funny. I, Delirious I is funny, I don't too, think he's as witty in Raw. Eh, you know, we each have our preference, I guess. I really wanted to put Cherry 2000 or Cry Wilderness on the list. <laughs> Cry Wilderness. <laughs> Oh, I really want to. I really want to put Istar on my list. Like it's number ten. <laughs> Fuck. Um, though the only other one that I can think of, like, it's, I know it's like doesn't necessarily star the most appealing person in the world, but I did like Moonstruck um, hmm. when I first saw it, and uh, so. But I had. Because you don't it. like Bruce Willis. Nope, not Moonlighting. Oh, sorry. Moonstruck is share. Oh, that's <laughs> right. It's because you hate black people. Oh wait, no, it's Moonlight. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, broadcast news. I thought about putting. Oh it god, yeah. that was another one that I struggled with. But I haven't seen broadcast news in a long time, so I wonder if any of our write-ins included some of those. Maybe, yeah. Brad. Yeah, uh, Patrick Doyle wrote in. Uh, he liked RoboCop, Running Man, Monster Squad, American Ninja Two. Oh, Running Man, yeah. <laughs> American Ninja Two. Throw that in there. Uh, <laughs> Angel Heart from William Elder. That's oh. his favorite movie of. Uh, he originally said Weekend at Bernie's, but then we corrected him, and that's 89. Uh, Adam Smith wrote in, in no particular order, The Princess Bride, Spaceballs, Good Morning Vietnam, The Untouchables, The Witches of Eastwick, Racing Arizona, Plane Trains, Automobiles, Broadcast News, Predator, RoboCop, Interspace, Empire of the Sun, Lethal Weapon, Brave Little Toaster, Yeah, uh, yeah. Throw Mama from the Train, nice. Hachiko, 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 yeah. City on Fire, Wicked City, Project A2, Magnificent Warriors, Wall Street, Near Dark, The Big Easy, and Full Metal Jacket. Bad Taste was that year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter Peter Jackson's debut. Yeah. Uh, I had Master of the Universe sitting on the outside of... Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll <my> be list. back. <laughs> and Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> uh, Dirty Dancing was that year. That's the, that's the one where Superman wow, gets the Wow, none of us had the time of our lives, guys. No, yeah. I've still never seen it. But stay tuned to next year. I think it's next year oh, when we might be it. Go, yeah, no, going to visit the bar. What? Oh, yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. What? Roadhouse. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's a roadhouse thing. You wouldn't understand. Ooh. I wouldn't understand. Which, Witches of Eastwick is like, it's a it's a film that like I, I've seen a couple times. It's a weird fucking movie. But uh, I don't know if I would have put it on the Joe list. Joe Kempter also said Princess Bride yeah. is his favorite. Yeah, yeah. Love of Desire would be my pretentious pick. So it's an Alvador film. Very gay. I like it. Nice. <laughs> King, uh, King Lear by Jean-Luc Godard. I wanted to put that on there to throw everybody It's one of his worst it. films, though. I know, <laughs> but it's a canon film, and that was kind of why I wanted to talk about it. Speaking of 1987, Star Trek The Next Generation came out this year and went on to do great things. Oh, <laughs> wow. I was born and went on to do things. <laughs> Some would say great. <laughs> I think this is the year Debatable. that like, the cable exploded and like took over. Yeah. Mm. Wait, a cable exploded? 
No, no, just cable Where? as cable. a thing in your house. HBO. Yeah. Oh, cable, yeah, the like Deadpool cable character. Yeah. Yeah. This is the year like a lot of networks started. Like put it down. I like hobo. Like Thank you. It went from the, like the big three to four and seven. And... I I feel bad about this, but I can't remember whether or not I like Beverly Hills Cop. Two or yeah, Cop Beverly Hills Cop it's Two better than three. <laughs> is, yeah, is, that one's still good. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's good. I thought I remember that one still being. Really I don't good. know if it's the most memorable one, but no. Well, yeah. well, obviously the first one is the most memorable, but like yeah. if we're talking the sequels, yeah, I guess it is because three's kind of bad. Surf Nazis Must Die came out this year. <laughs> I really wanted to put that in my top ten. The fact that it's not on any of our lists means we suck. Uh, that one spa film, not the spa, the exercise film we talked about on this podcast before, Bar. Someone's just killing exercise uh, girls. Exer- uh, yeah, I just, killer size. Yeah, that one. There. That was this year. I was very tempted to put it on. So. Size? Are you serious? No, <laughs> it's it's not good at all. But it's fun. If we're gonna talk about the things that we really missed, of all the things on the Real Nerds podcast that should have been included, it's it's Blood Rage. Because Blood Rage came out in 1987. Well, it's actually made, I think, in 1984. I'm just saying. Well, again, once again, since it's really hard to pin down when Blood Rage is going to release, as as we have proven on this podcast, um, you know, it could be any time. Is it cranberry sauce, Ryan? Yeah, it's not. (laughs) It's not cranberry sauce. I mean, you need to know that when the body doesn't have a head, a leg, or arms. But Uh, (laughs) also, Blood Diner was that year as well. That one's crazy. That would be funny if that was one of your police exam questions. Like, what is is, is the following cranberry sauce? <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, we're cool. seeing Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah, it's that and uh, Logan Lucky. Or, so, oh, I, I don't we should go see wide. Logan Lucky. I don't know how wide that's going to be. Yeah, but it's pretty wide. I can find out. But I'm sure either one would be fine. I'm not, yeah. not going to be like, you're seeing Hitman's Bodyguard? So. <laughs> I mean, I would much prefer to see Logan Lucky if it's in town. But. Yeah, because it's yeah, by sure. a really good director. I thought he I think the trailer looks cool. Yeah. He retires every saying. five years. Yeah, so. he keeps saying. Explosion 2007. Yeah, we might. Yeah, I'm okay with that. We've done 97 yet, which has the greatest film ever made. So, or second greatest um, film ever made. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Nope, greatest film ever made. Yeah. Alamo has not announced that they're going to have it. So, okay. so maybe another film explosion. Wait, 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 wait. Second greatest film ever made. I'm gonna throw this out there. Next Friday night. At Sloan's Lake, at the Alamo Draft House, they're they're gonna show the Secret Life of Pets, guys. Oh, can we make that our like weekly episode <laughs> a shit, year after it came out? I shit you not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just come to my Apparently. house anytime. It's playing at least once a day. <laughs> Apparently, the writer posted a picture on Instagram. He's writing the sequel right now. Of course, he is. Man, you yeah, got made money. a billion dollars. There's right money there. Go get that money. Get, really Good for think him. That guy was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Man, get paper, fuck bitches. Speaking of the draft house, like I bought a bunch of tickets today to different things because RoboCop Two, they're sh- they're playing next Thursday, yep. and then Unforgiven is like Tuesday. Ooh, 4K restoration. Oh. <gasps> I'm just saying. There's uh, one Alamo yeah. showing that I'm really looking forward to. But I can't remember what What's it is. The other two. This was a year without a Clint Eastwood movie. I just realized. 87. That's why it was a good one. No Clint. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Thanks, Clint. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> They're doing a Kubo screening soon. Yeah, That'll be fun. yeah, they are. I love Eternal Sunshine. Movie. Oh, Snake to Hugh, New York. Sinadochi. Pretentious people are really going to like that one. I saw Sinadochi. It's um, it's definitely a thing. I thought it was Synecdoche. It's Synecdoche. He's just being stupid. I'm just being an asshole. Shut up, Zach. Oh, Time Cop. September uh, 9th. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. No. Second favorite Van Damme movie. Oh, and then there's a RoboCop movie party with live stream Q&A with uh, Peter Weller. Ooh. September 10th. 
So I'm back to back days. Nice. Awesome. And I guess there's props you get to get. Because so, it's like nice. a $25 ticket. I'd buy that ticket for a dollar. <laughs> hey. Well, all right. Tune in next week for yeah. something. Yep. Yeah, we'll always be here. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Hello. Real Nerds Podcast is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. The Real Nerds would like to thank the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now open in Sloan's Lake. We also would like to thank Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, especially Andrew. Our music has been brought to you by Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios. And of course, thanks to James's mother, our most loyal listener. Have a nice day.